go Saturday, April 22nd, 2023. It is BK here coming to you from a new location, Big Bear, California. That's right. I got in yesterday after uh, diverting up to Malibu for a few days. Uh, a lot of you guys who follow me on Instagram probably saw some of the video and pictures I've been putting up. So I'll be here all week. Of course, I brought the podcast stuff with me. I'm not going to let you guys down. I know you need the news. And you can follow me on Instagram at BKActual and go ahead and check out that Twitter account for breaking news throughout the week at Bravo Kilo Actual. And it is right about 11.47 a.m. here from beautiful Big Bear. And let's go ahead and get started with the story that, yes, many of you sent me. And it is the heist from the Toronto airport. This is fantastic. Early Monday evening. A special container about five to square feet was unloaded from an airplane at Toronto's International Airport. And inside it was more than 20 million Canadian dollars, about 14.8 million U.S. in gold and other valuables. So it was taken from the plane into a secure cargo holding facility, right? And after that, it disappeared. That's right. They uh, announced the theft on Thursday. And the force that patrols the Toronto Pearson Airport, which is that airport's name, is the Peel Regional Police. But they have offered few details about how this high-value container had disappeared, except to say it was by illegal means. And this isn't a case, uh, it appears, that the cops aren't talking because they have information they don't want to get out or give up clues. They really don't have an idea of what happened here. Now, a police spokesman said that such thefts were, quote, very rare, end quote. But that same spokesman declined to say who had shipped the container, where the flight with the container had originated, or which airline or cargo company had flown it into the airport. He also declined to disclose its weight. No arrests have been made. The police have not named any suspects. Uh, they did not rule out the possibility that organized crime was involved. Oh, yeah, you think? What do you, th- you think this is the local crackhead knocking off the local liquor store? No. Now, this is not the first time that gold has vanished at a Canadian airport. In 1952, six of ten boxes of gold bullion traveling on a plane from Toronto's airport had vanished by the time the plane landed in Montreal. The disappearance of the gold, which had a value equivalent to 2.4 million Canadian dollars, and that's in today's numbers, was never solved. And then in 1974, five unrefined gold bars worth 4.6 million Canadian dollars in current money and destined for the Royal Canadian Mint were stolen from a secure facility in Ottawa's airport after a guard was threatened with guns and handcuffed to a pipe. That theft was um, ultimately attributed to a group known as the Stopwatch Gang that became famous for timing and planning their heists efficiently. So, yeah, and that's really all we know. I did see weird... I saw wacky numbers flying about. Like, I saw another number that said, like, up to 100 million uh, U.S. dollars. But this was obviously planned, executed flawlessly, and once again, yes, I am begging the international ice crews Send me a good email. I will forward you my resume immediately. I think the resume is impressive. You guys, I'm trying to stay humble here. I think the resume is impressive compared to your local heist member. I've got the 
uh, rappelling. I've got the rope work. I've got the getaway driver uh, skills. I have the extensive small and large arms weapons training, plus graduating a fine university cum laude. So, you know, I'm intellectually sound and I can keep my mouth shut. And on top of all that, cutting a magnificent figure in a European style suit. The hair is on point. The shoulders are practically bursting out of the suit. It's a, it's a win-win for all of us involved. So I will once again, please ask any of those heist outfits, even if it is the stopwatch gang, to give me a call. And by the way, I'll probably come up with a better name for your crew than that. All right, but that's really all we know, guys. So let's keep going on. Uh, let's go over to Yemen. Uh, this was a few days old. But a uh, stampede in Yemen has killed 78 people, at least. And this was while people were gathering to receive charitable donations from local merchants ahead of a major Islamic holiday. And this is uh, seen as, you know, this is desperation. This is eight years into that civil war over there, and Yemen has basically been torn apart. It is, is Yemen, the Arab world's poorest country. So this happened on Wednesday night in the capital of Sana'a, which is controlled, by the way, by the Houthis. That is the Iran-linked tribal militia that kind of raged through northern Yemen in 2014 and displaced their international recognized government, and then they've been fighting ever since. So according to the Houthis' health ministry, they already, they already have their own health ministry, an additional 77 people were injured in the stampede, stampede, 13 of them in critical condition. And according to a Houthi interior ministry spokesman, he claimed that this was a tragical and painful accident during, quote, the unorganized distribution of money by some merchants, end quote. He added that two of the merchants were arrested. However, two witnesses told the Associated Press that before the stampede, armed Houthi militia members had fired guns into the air. <laughs> Boy, they love that one, don't they? Hitting an electrical wire and causing the crowd to panic. The crowd had gathered in hope of receiving the equivalent of about $10 U.S. each from a charity funded by a local businessman. Now, the holiday I mentioned, of course, that would be Aid. And, or Eid. I always, I try to, like, make the pronunciation like they say it. It's fucking impossible for a Western tongue to replicate that, in my opinion. But this uh, stampede came in the final days of the Islamic holy month of Ramadan and shortly before Eid. And Eid is the holiday that marks the end of that month of daytime fasting that occurs in Ramadan. And month Muslims typically celebrate with feasts and uh, new clothing. That would be an unimaginable luxury for the average Yemeni. And this is really one of the worst humanitarian crises in the world. You'll recall that a military coalition led by Saudi Arabia intervened against the Houthis in 2015 in an attempt to restore the internationally recognized government. That led to a bombing campaign that has killed tons of civilians. Access to ports is restricted. Access to flights are restricted. So they're stuck there, and many have been pushed to the brink of famine. And even if they have food, a lot of them can't even afford it. Civil servants in Yemen have gone without salaries for years. They think about 80% of Yemen's population, about 24 million people, are in need of humanitarian aid. Uh, now, there was a meeting last week between Saudi and Houthi officials in Sana'a, and that was over peace talks. 
a UN envoy did say that was the closest Yemen has been to real progress in peace talks, but uh, the Saudis did return home without a deal, and the Houthi officials said the talks would continue. And if you're wondering how the Houthis feel about it and whose fault this all is, well, a member of the Houthis' Supreme Political Council on Thursday named Mohammed Ali al-Houthi blamed the, quote, American-British-Saudi-Emirati aggression, end quote, for the severity of Yemen's humanitarian crisis. He's probably blaming us because, I mean, there's no two ways about it. We are supplying Saudi Arabia with a tremendous amount of weaponry. But many Yemenis say the Houthis have significantly contributed to suffering as well. They've got like a police state and all of their resources are going into fighting the war. And it's, you know, civil liberties are violated constantly. The security forces detain journalists. And they also employ regularly sexually, sexual violence against professional and politically active women. So it's a... Uh, it's just a bad deal all the way around. And, I, you know, once again, I am, I am once again asking Arab militia members to stop firing your guns in the air, guys. I'm just going to say there's a couple reasons. The one main one is you're wasting ammunition that you could, uh, and ammunition costs money. And then, of course, every time you fire a weapon in the air, that round is going to come down somewhere. Okay? So let's try a little... Fucking basic gun safety, guys. And I will gladly also, in addition to reaching out to the heist teams, I will also be open to a membership in one of these militias overseas in the Arab world. I absolutely will. I mean, guys, again, the resume is impressive. I can teach you basic weapon safety, stuff like that, how to clean and maintain your weapons, and the like. So, again, you guys can reach out to me through the DMs. <laughs> what else? Uh, oh, this was a kind of funny story. Let's go to New Zealand. So New Zealand was going to have a contest to hunt feral cats. And this was like the last country I honestly thought would do something like this. Because whenever you think of New Zealand, you know, you think like, you know, peaceful, Lord of the Rings, hobbits. You know, they don't rock the boat too much. They willingly go along with their crazed left-wing prime minister's uh, intention to shut the entire country down and not let anybody in or out. They, you know, they're pretty passive people, right? So the last country I actually thought in the world would have a cat-killing contest would be New Zealand, but apparently this was. And yes, there, there's more to it than that. They're trying to control invasive species. And yes, the contest has now been scrapped after an outcry was raised. But yeah, the, the contest was a compete to kill the greatest numbers of feral cats for a cash prize. And remember, New Zealand is an island nation. It has aggressively tried to control invasive species from overwhelming their native wildlife. And um, <clears throat> this event was to be part of a fundraising competition in June to hunt feral animals in North Canterbury, a region on the country's South Island. Now, the cat culling event... Okay, I, I misspoke earlier. I thought this went on regularly. This culling event was new this year. It was open to children under the age of 14, with the winner receiving the equivalent of $155 U.S. And it was to be put on by the North Canterbury Hunting Competition. So this was actually announced last Saturday, but it didn't have very many details about how it would be regulated. There were some rules. Participants would be disqualified if a killed cat was found to be microchip. <laughs> well, that doesn't do any good. You've already killed the cat, so... That's gone. Um, 
A New Zealand animal rights organization was one of the groups that called for it to be scrapped, citing concerns that the events would glorify hunting animals among children. Well, what's, there's nothing wrong with hunting animals. Uh, let's see here. Uh, now, the people who put this on, they're arguing, hey, feral cats are a predator species, and they need to be culled. And the event would not only tell, teal, teach children, you know, the unspoken things like weapon safety, but in addition, how to responsibly manage invasive species. And they're fighting back. They're saying this cat hunt should be reinstated. Um, children would already be hunting rabbits, possums, rats, and other invasive species with rifles, which would run over as part of this competition. And he's like, so they're going to be out there anyway. And they said they might as well include the cats because it's the worst one. Um, oh, they even say one of the spokespeople for this, uh, pushing back, he said, yeah, the event is about teaching kids firearm safety as well as other, and about making them realize that these animals are destroying native species. So the competition, all right, I had to read all the way down here to get the gist of it. <clears throat> Apparently the competition still is on, but they are going to hunt animals other than cats. Uh, anything else on here? Now, New Zealand takes a harsh approach to eradicating invasive uh, species, and it is broadly supported by the public. Events to hunt feral animals are not uncommon. As a matter of fact, every year the town of Alexandra on South Island conducts an annual Great Easter Bunny Hunt <laughs> where children and adults cull feral rabbits. Okay, first bit of advice to you guys. Maybe call it something that doesn't conjure up images of beloved childhood figures. Like that one I just read, the Great Easter Bunny Hunt. Uh, maybe like change up the verbiage there a little bit, you know, lose the Easter, lose the bunny, stuff like that. I'm just saying. Their three most pervasive invasive, pervasive invasive, that's a good band name, pervasive invasive predator species are opossums, rats, and weasels. But, uh, yeah, you know what? I could see this about, like, cats. Like, don't get me wrong. I like cats. I think they're cool. I think all cats are cool. You know, there's something fascinating about a cat. But, like, dude, I didn't know people got that worked up about them. Like, obviously, if this was a wild dog thing, I mean, in America, they'd go absolutely ballistic. But they have that shit in the Middle East all the time. They hate dogs, so they cull the shit out of dogs over there. But cats? I don't know. Wild cats? I wouldn't get, a, I wouldn't get too worked up about it. Let's keep going and go to China. Talk about this Beijing hospital fire. A few dozen people have been detained in connection with this hospital fire in Beijing that has claimed the lives of at least 29 people. The Chinese authorities said on Wednesday this week that the uh, blaze was possible negligence after sparks from internal construction ignited flammable paint. At a news conference, officials said most of the deceased were patients at Changfeng Hospital, where the fire erupted around midday Tuesday in the southwestern part of the city of Beijing. A nurse, a medical worker, and a relative of one patient also died in the fire. There are another 21 people hospitalized in critical or serious condition. Uh, let me see here. There was a witness... And she said that she started hearing people screaming for help around 1 p.m. the day before. 
She spoke on condition of anonymity because she feared attention from the authorities. Uh, she said she saw three people jump from a window on the second highest floor to a ledge protruding from the building with one like falling after landing. Brutal. This fire appears to be the deadliest in the Chinese capital in more than two decades, with the toll exceeding that of a 2002 fire at an internet cafe in the Heijin University District. That killed 25 students, and that kind of shocked the country. As you would imagine, you can't do a story about China without talking about the internet censors, which is like a fascinating sidebar to it. Right after it happened, this happened on Tuesday, government censors sought to restrict information on the Internet. And these Chinese censors typically do go into action after major tra tragedies because all of this is about protecting anger towards the Chinese Communist Party. Um, so anything else about here? The highest-ranking Communist Party official for Beijing named Yin Li visited the hospital and vowed that the... Authorities would pursue those who are culpable of having this fire break out here. Let me see. What else about here? The average age of the hospital patient who died in the fire was 71. Like other medical facilities in China, the Beijing Changfeng Hospital suffered greatly during the pandemic as a result of those idiotic zero COVID policies that limited the number of patients it could accommodate. It was, it's not super old. It was built in 1993 with about 150 beds, but it was closed a lot in the last couple of years. The Beijing Hospital is the flagship facility of a medical care group with branches across China. That medical care group is called the, uh, is also called the Beijing Changfeng Hospital. And during the pandemic, they lost tons and tons of money. So they're probably not focusing too much on safety and shit like that. Anything else here? Um, yeah, so, you know, it's, this is part of the deal when you're dealing with, like, in China, as advanced as they are in some places, they still have crappy infrastructure and many others, so that happens. What else? Well, let's uh, do an update for a story I talked about extensively last weekend and go to Sudan. You guys know if you heard me, I was. Uh, it, it happened the week I, the the morning of the day I did last week's podcast, and at the time, only two people had been killed. <clears throat> well, that has gone up greatly, and it's now you know well over a hundred. And they thought there would be a ceasefire for that aforementioned major Muslim holiday of Eid, but as they marked that holiday, the two warring generals fighting for the control of the country, ignored calls for a ceasefire, and they kept fighting for a seventh consecutive day. So remember that this is, one of them is the head of Sudan's army. That is General Abdel Fattah al-Buran. And in his first public speech since the clashes began, he said, quote, we are confident that we will overcome this ordeal with training, wisdom, and strength in a way that preserves the security and unity of the country and enables us to transition to civilian rule. End quote. Remember, this all started in the capital of Khartoum, by the way. Now, at least 15,000 people have ran across the border into neighboring Chad from Sudan since the beginning of the conflict a week ago on Saturday. And, oh, wow, it's way over 100. According to World Health Organization, 
The death toll now is at least 413 people with 3,551 wounded. At least nine children and several aid workers have also been killed. The State Department said on Thursday night that one American had been killed. Hmm. Uh, remember the other guy, I gave you the name of one of the generals in the fight. The other guy fighting against him is Lieutenant General Mohammed Hamdan. And he is the head of that so-called Rapid Support Forces paramilitary group. Now, he claimed that he had agreed to comply with the ceasefire, but Al Buran did not commit to the pause, and so they kept fighting. So, And really, we don't know who's in charge of Sudan, which matters because it is Africa's third largest nations. And um, countries, including us, the United States, have prepared to evacuate their citizens as of Friday night, United States officials said that no decision has been made on whether or not to evacuate embassy personnel. Uh, I did see in another story that they have beefed up American forces over in Djibouti in Somalia in case they do have to do one of those evacuations. So uh, just to recall a little bit of a review from last week. General Al-Burhan, the army leader, he came to power in 2019 when the former dictator Omar Hassan, Hassan al-Bashir was kicked out of power. And then he and General Hamdan in late 2021 actually joined forces to carry out the coup that toppled the civilian prime minister and shattered a fragile power-sharing agreement between the military and civilians. But those two guys, the two generals, could not agree on a timeline for bringing that paramilitary force under the umbrella of the army. And then they were expected to sign a deal doing just that, right, this month. But just when they were, just when they were ready to sign a deal, the forces of the two generals began fighting violently in Khartoum. And that's where we are now. Uh, at least 20 hospitals have closed. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of, man, that's a lot of casualties in just a week. All right, very good. Uh, I have a few other tabs on Sudan. Anything open, anything interesting on this? They had a large food market. According to satellite analysis, a large food market for food and other supplies serving a camp for... Is this a new thing? I was about to read refugees, but the writer at the New York Times said displaced people. So is that the new euphemism? What's wrong with refugees? It's probably stigmatizing displaced people. Why are they always doing that? It drives me nuts. Like the euphemisms for the vagrants, for the illegal aliens, now for the refugees. Like, just say it, dude. It's plain speak. Anyway, <laughs> this, uh, f this market was completely destroyed. This market was huge. The fire destroyed or damaged approximately 18 acres of the market. Wow. And that is, by the way, in a camp in Darfur. Talked to you a little bit about that last week as well. Uh, a local area manager for it said the camp hadn't received any aid in a week before the fire started. And he blamed the current fighting and turmoil for the blaze, saying the fire started because of a stray bullet or looters igniting one of the shops. And then it just spread through because, as you can imagine, these structures are just makeshift and everything else. I have another tab here on the rapid support forces. But uh, just <clears throat> quickly, I think I mentioned this last week too, but just for you guys in case you didn't catch it, 
they can trace their origins to the John Joweed militias. And those are the guys who, in the early 2000s, helped Sudan's army crush that rebellion in the western region of Darfur. And while the military had an air force and heavy weapons, the Janjaweed provided on-the-ground fighters in more isolated areas. And of course, Darfur, if you guys are old enough, you remember what a crisis that was because it did kill 300,000 people between 2003 and 2008, and 2.5 million more were displaced. And that's when the International Criminal Court opened investigations into the genocidal, genocidal violence. Indeed, they indicted Sudan's longtime dictator, the previously mentioned Omar Hassan al-Bashir, on charges of genocide and crimes against humanity in 2009. So he wanted to clean up that image, did Bashir. So in 2013, they decided to start calling this RSF. Their members were first deployed as border guards and then as mercenaries for the Saudi-led coalition in Yemen that I talked about previously. All right. Uh, they think, by the way, how big is it? It's pretty big. They think that the RSF has about between 70,000 and 150,000 fighters. And their members do include former military and intelligence officers. So it's not just a bunch of uh, idiots. Is that all I have? Uh, oh, yeah, I mentioned that they were we were positioning troops for possible evacuation of the embassy. Uh, senior, senior U.S. officials acknowledge it would not be easy to get embassy staff, staff out. And they do estimate there's about 19,000 American citizens who are believed to be in the country. And it's going to be tough because the international airport in Khartoum is pretty much uh, been wiped out. It's been the target of heavy shelling. There's all kinds of destroyed planes running around the tarmac, so this would have to be like a, probably a massive helicopter operation if it came to that. And Sudan's airspace is also closed, so now you're a helicopter pilot and you got to fly into Sudan where they said no air, nothing in the air allowed, and that's going to be a that's going to be a fucking pucker factor right there. All right, is that all I got? Yeah. All right. Very good. Let's move on from Sudan. Uh, let's go. Well, I wanted to play this. If you guys follow me on, um, I have a few cop audio clips. Now, I'm going to play the first one. Now, if you guys follow me on either of those social medias, you're going to recognize this. This was the shooting in Santa Clarita. Now, this actually happened in January 11th, 2023. But the video just came out last week. And remember, the initial call was a man who was trespassing. He was sleeping in front of a mall. The man was later identified as 50-year-old Christopher Lee Mercurio. A female deputy contacted him, asked him to leave, and he refused and got super belligerent. And then, uh, yeah, this is the one with the giant guy. He's a very large man with a big beard, wearing an army PT jacket, and no idiots on social media. Just because you wear... I'm so, just because you wear camouflage clothing or something that says army on it, it does not mean you were a veteran. Please stop. But yeah, I actually put this video up on my Twitter and it got like half a million views in like a day. So pretty crazy. But uh, I want to play, this is a little bit longer version of the clip I played. And I did hear from plenty of law enforcement and there was plenty of diverse uh, opinions here. A lot of people were like, screw him. He got what he deserved. She kept warning him not to go. And other, other people were like, that deputy is horrible. She didn't even know. And what I did say, like, look, here's my opinion on it. 
Well, let me play it first. I, but I got a ton of opinions, uh, including from female police officers. So let me play the clip, and you guys tell me what you think here uh, about this shooting. What's your date of birth? You bleeped out the date of birth. Okay. So look, look I'm just coming over because the security for the mall. Yeah, I'm not going to move at all. Okay. I will actually kill every fucker that comes here. Okay, well, we don't want that. Okay? I don't care. Okay. That's okay. what I'm where okay, I'm look, at. Okay, look. I'm just trying to talk to you. Okay, okay I'm going to sleep right here so you can do what you want to do. Okay. Either protect and defend or I'm going to fucking destroy your fucking human being. Understand? I understand, but why are you coming at me like that? Well, I'm, I'm just, just letting you and, know. And I'm just letting you know, too, okay? Don't like, tell me what to do okay, at I'm all. Not, I'm not letting you know. I'm not telling you what to do. Okay. I'm just letting you know what security has advised us. Okay? I am security for the whole country. Okay. You want Iran and China to fucking bust your nut or what? No, not at all. Well, I'm Did the I guy. Did I say that? Listen to me. Did I'm, I say that? Sh- just listen. No, I'm telling you right listen now. Listen to no, what? I'm, no, we're not doing that. You know that, what? Dude. Hey, you better step back, dude. Step back. I'm going to fuck yes. your ass up, okay. bitch. You better step back right I now. I said get the okay, fuck out back. of here step now. Back. Step back, right? Grab her. I'm going to fight. Sit here. Get off me. Get off me. Get off me. Fuck you, if you come any closer, I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to shoot you, dude. I'm going to fuck I'm gonna you. Shoot you. I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to shoot you. Six, two, get three, the five. fuck out of here now. Get up. Stop. You don't get stop. I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to shoot you, dude. Shoot. Boom. just fell down okay so there you go uh let me also give some more details so the guy has his hands in his pockets the whole time until he like reached out and like pushed her here's my here's my initial opinion i'm never gonna fucking shed a tear for a violent big vagrant who listen to the entitlement no i'm not going anywhere i don't care if it's private i i I can sleep where i want you're not going to tell me the entitlement is what kills me so i'm not going to cry over a vagrant who gets all violent with a cop and gets shot that being said she did have plenty of time if she had a taser because the guy's like kind of walking towards her slowly as she's backing up. And that's when she's like, I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to shoot you. Just reach out and fucking pull the taser. And I don't get why you wouldn't do that. And some of you other guys were like, well, this isn't, you know, Santa Clara. This is sheriff. This is county sheriff. They often roll single. Um, and there might not have been backup around. But, you know, if you call shots fired, obviously every cop in the vicinity is going to call. But. See, this is why, and, and this sparked a whole debate about female cops. And, and as my female cop friend um, with San Diego Police actually told me, she's like, this gives female cops a bad name. She thought, in her opinion, this police officer here sucked and should have done something, you know. But uh, it's tough. Like, I'm not sending, like, this, is, and I understand the argument. People are like, see, if it was like a big old hulking dude cop, He's not going to be intimidated by this guy to the point where he has to immediately draw his weapon and fire and shoot him. And by the way, she shot him twice, both times in the A zone, right in the chest. And he kind of like walked, he just slowly walked off. Like it, like people were like, did he miss or did she miss? And I'm like, no, it hit him right in the chest. But you know, he's probably on drugs and everything else. So that was my first cop video. Now my second one, I just saw this this morning. This is from the Boston police department. And apparently in this video, the description says the cops in Boston go into a family's home without showing a warrant and shoot their dogs. And 
some other guy, now I'm reading some of the comments here, and uh, one guy saying the police did show the warrant. They're also pointing out the lady lied and said no one was in the house, and apparently the dog did attack the cops. But I'm going to play the video for you because you kind of hear the back and forth between the chick and the cops. Uh, let's hear it. Excuse me. We have a warrant on your house. For what? For what? Excuse me. Let me see the warrant. 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 Uh, I want to see that. Can I see that? He flashes it no, very can briefly. can I see it? No. You guys did this to me too many times. Tell me you got a warrant and this and that. Let me see the warrant. Nobody's in my house. No, 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 no. They tell me all the time they have a warrant and they never have a warrant. They always have a warrant. They never have a warrant. They came to apologize to me because they said they didn't have no warrant. What are you talking about? I have a warrant. You just can't record. No, I can record whatever I want. I'm in my house. Man, come down. Back up. No. He's trying to run out the back. Come down. I'm going to the back. Still standing outside the door. This is my house. Ma'am, back up. Back up. I'm going to ask you one more time and you're going to be in handcuffs. Back up. Handcuffs for what? Can I open my door? Can I open my door? Can I open my door? Watch me what? I'm not doing nothing. This is my house, man. What are you doing right now? You, they don't got to put their hands on me at all for nothing. For nothing. I don't care how many times you ask me. You're in my house. So maybe if I, um, maybe if you ask me, let me open, open my door. Okay. Back up. How about open your door? You never showed me a warrant. You never showed me nothing. We will get to that. We will get show to that. me that. We will Just get show to that. me. Just show me. We will get to that. Just show me. Okay, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, you know what? I, I noticed that the uh, the tags on the back of the uh, the kit on the cop said gang unit. And you heard the chick. Oh, you come here all the time. Okay, so you're a bad person, clearly. Because normal people don't have cops showing up at their door, quote, all the time, end quote. And, uh, yeah, they're not going to go easy. And I will say that, yeah, the guy pulled out the paper and he kind of flashed it and then he stuck it back in his pocket. But, um, yeah, smoke the dog. Then that's going to happen when a dog lunges at a cop, and especially if they're serving a warrant by the gang unit. So there's my police videos for you this week. I hope you enjoyed those. Let's move on, though. Let's talk about Iran. The Reuters ran a story that claimed, uh, the, or the Iranians claimed, that they had forced a U.S. submarine to surface in the Gulf. Yeah, Iran, uh, Navy, Iranian Navy Commander Shahram Arani told state television on Thursday that Iran's Navy had forced a U.S. submarine to surface uh, as it entered the Gulf. Irani, uh, by the way, I, let me point out quickly, the United States' Na uh, Navy's Fifth Fleet uh, denied any of this ever took place, which is probably the truth. But uh, Irani said, uh, quote, the U.S. submarine was approaching while submerged. 
but the Iranian submarine Fatah detected it and carried out maneuvers to force it to surface. As it went through the Strait of Hormuz, it had also entered our territorial waters, but corrected its course after being warned, end quote. Yes, the Navy's Fifth Fleet denied what it called Iranian disinformation. Commander Timothy Hawkins told Reuters, quote, a U.S. submarine has not transited the state of Hormuz today or recently. The claim represents more Iranian disinformation that does not contribute to regional maritime security or stability, end quote. Yeah, well, you know, the Iranians in the U.S. do have a lot of contact over there, but yeah, I seriously freaking doubt uh, any of that ever happened. Let's go. What else? Let's talk about Ukraine-Russia here. we got a few stories here. The Ukrainian troops are going to begin training on American M1 Abrams tanks in Germany in the next few weeks. You guys will recall that uh, we authorized sending some tanks. It would take a while to get them over there. But Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin III announced a sped-up timeline yesterday, Friday, during a meeting with allies at Rammstein Air Base. Air Base. Uh, defense officials said about 31 tanks are expected to arrive in Germany to begin a training program for Ukrainian troops that is expected to take 10 weeks. And they think combat-ready tanks could reach the battlefields in Ukraine by the fall. But the U.S. also stood firm in their refusal to supply Ukrainians with F-16 fighter jets. General Mark White Rage Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, said that Ukraine's air, defi- air defense system had worked effectively for more than a year and kept Russian warplanes cautious for fear of being shot down. But Ukrainian leaders reiterated their calls for jets and other advanced weapons and they have repeatedly expressed frustration with the pace of deliveries from their supporters in the West. Um, actually, this week, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky urged NATO's Secretary General to help overcome the reluctance with providing those long-range weapons and, and more modern aircraft. Uh, so... Ukraine, as you guys know, has kind of withstood that Russian offensive over the winter. And you also know that they've been using thousands of artillery shells a day. They've taken serious casualties. They have done a good job of staving off Russia's air force, but their entire air defense network is also weakening. And there's no sign that they're going to get any new air defense weapons anytime soon. Uh, So, yes. Uh, what else here? I have a few tabs open on this. Let's talk about the Russians and how they botched something. They accidentally bombed their own city. (laughs) Yep. A Russian warplane accidentally dropped a bomb on one of their own cities, according to the Russian Defense Ministry. They said that yesterday. That blast, which videos showed hit near an apartment block, wounded three people and spread panic. This was... Belgorod, a southern Russian city of about 400,000 people. It's just across the border with Ukraine. And initially, suspicion was, well, this is the Ukrainians. But Friday morning, Russian Defense Ministry released a statement saying that the explosion was caused by, quote, accidental discharge of aviation ammunition, end quote, by a Russian fighter jet flying over Belgorod at around 10 p.m., And this was one of the most advanced Russian aircrafts. This was the Su or Su-34 
fighter jet. So, one pro-Russian military analyst and blogger suggested in a post on Telegram that the accident could have been the result of a malfunction in a GPS guidance kit attached to a munition carried by the Su-34. Ukrainian officials and military analysts say that Moscow is using these kits in an effort to turn unguided munitions into cheap substitutes for precision aerial weapons. Oh, okay, I see what they're doing. So they're jerry-rigging the, uh, the dumb bombs and trying to make them into smart bombs. Well, I guess that's not going too well. And then this was interesting. From Task and Purpose, you guys remember the old our old friends, the Wagner Group? That is the Kremlin-linked private military company. Well, their leader, Yevgeny Prigozhin, unexpectedly called for an end to Russia's war in Ukraine. How about that? Yeah, he said that the time was right to stop trying to seize more Ukrainian territory and consolidate control of what they have in Ukraine's east and end this fighting. These remarks were published in a lengthy blog post on Friday, April 14th. And uh, it, it kind of, the entire post kind of saw this guy rambling about the importance of the contested city of Bakhmut, and he was denouncing the, quote, deep state, end quote, inside of Russia. Uh, but, yeah, he said in a more than 3,000-word blog post, quote, the ideal option would be to announce end of special military operation and declare Russia has achieved all planned goals, and in some respects, we really have achieved them, end quote. Yeah, and this guy, you know, it's 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 kind of notable because this guy has hardly been like this uh, shrinking violet. He has regularly shared videos from what he claims are the front lines showing Wagner contract fighters and all the fighting. Remember, he's known as Putin's chef because he has all those catering businesses. But he's also heavily criticized the official military's handling of the war. It says they're basically incompetent. So, Interesting. We'll see if he accidentally uh, falls from a 20-story tower anytime soon. And then just by the way, uh, we, we, we had that Wall Street Journal reporter that was arrested. Told you guys about that the other week. Well, there's an update on that. A Russian court has rejected the Wall Street Journal reporter's appeal for freedom. And this was the first time that the 31-year-old American... Evan Gershkovich had been seen clearly since he was detained last month and accused of espionage. This was in a Moscow courtroom. The judge, as expected, denied Gershkovich's appeal to lift his pre-tile detention, so of course that leaves him in Russian custody. He was ordered back to Moscow's Lefortovo Prison, one of the most infamous detention centers in Russia. Inmates are held in isolation, and they only get rare visits by lawyers. God, brutal, dude. Man, a lot of uh, Russian journalists are apparently supporting him. Yeah, one Russian reporter actually told Gershkovich, quote, Evan, hold on, end quote. He was detained on March 29th while on a reporting trip in the Russian city of oof, Yekaterinburg and then accused of espionage. His employer, the Wall Street Journal, the U.S. and press freedom groups are vehemently rejecting those charges. 
All right, anything else on Russia, Ukraine? No? Okay, very good. Let's talk about India. You guys know one of the things I'm fascinated with is uh, demographics. So India is hitting a milestone coming up here soon because the United Nations released data the morning of April 19th confirming that India will soon surpass China as the most populous country in the world. When that happens, it will be the first time in centuries that China does not have the world's largest population. That's fascinating. China's economic and geopolitical rise over the past few decades obviously has changed the world. So what happens, the question is, will India have the same sort of impact? I mean, China's population is declining, by the way. And China is vastly richer than India, but that's actually a recent phenomenon. It wasn't really until the year 2000 that India, I'm sorry, China really started to pull way ahead on gross domestic, gross domestic product per capita. As a matter of fact, in the late 70s, India was more affluent than China. And then if you look at a chart, India kind of slowly, starting in like 1970, India kind of stays pretty much stagnant as far as their GDP per capita which, by the way, is a very telling measure of affluence. And yeah, from like 1970 on until 2000, I'm reading a line chart, guys, so I'm interpreting it. From 1970 until like about 2005, India is basically barely rising on this graph, right? And then from like 2010 to 2021, it kind of peaks up. China, on the other hand, they pull a little bit of head of India right before the year 2000. And then at about the year 2003, 2004, their bar graph, their line graph goes straight up. They just, they just annihilated them. So how did that happen? Well, after the 1970s, the ruler of China at the time, Deng Xiaoping, began opening up that Chinese communist economy to market forces and foreign investment. And it moved away from that state-run communism. So... Uh, obviously, it wasn't true capitalism, but still, it worked really well. Hundreds of millions of Chinese citizens moved from poor rural areas to take factory jobs in cities. They say the resulting decline in poverty may be the largest in human history. Now, India was never a communist country, but they did have kind of a socialist-style economy in the 1970s, and they were slower to modernize than China. So, um, another big factor is education. China's population has long been more educated than India's. Higher literacy rates, larger shares of people completing grade school, high school, and college. Education was one of the few economic successes of the Mao Zedong era, and that was from the late 1940s to the mid-1970s. So, also, significantly, the Chaikoms really focused on learning and including both boys and girls. India did not do that. They have large gender gaps in literacy and educational attainment. So that was another big factor as well. And that's the question. Is this going to be the India century? <clears throat> they think yeah, they think India is going to pull ahead like probably in the next I don't know, it might be like the next couple months. Okay, and actually, so India has actually already moved past population-wise mainland China, but they will soon surpass the mainland and Hong Kong combined. 
By the way, India has now 1.428 billion people. And so the big question is, are they going to take advantage of their size or is this going to uh, be a complete shit show? No one can tell. Now, uh, speaking of India, I got a couple other stories here. India's top court is going to begin hearing same-sex marriage cases. Yeah, you guys remember that recently India's Supreme Court struck down a ban on consensual gay sex. So a ruler in favor of legalizing actually gay unions, I don't know if they're actually calling it marriage or not, would make India quite the outlier in Asia. So in recent years, that court has held up more individual freedoms. They have granted rights to India's transgender communities, and they have declared privacy as a constitutional right of all Indias, Indians. So India's conservative Hindu nationalist government, that would be led by Prime Minister Narendra Modi, is opposed to legalizing the unions. And in a court filing on Monday, the government called same-sex marriage a, quote, urban elitist concept far removed from the social ethos of the country, end quote. Now, Prime Minister Modi, you know, he's got to kind of play the dance a little bit. His party is really the one who is making the, the filing and everything else like that. But Modi is saying that granting legal recognition to relationships is a job of the legislature. It's not a job for the judiciary. And did he say anything else? It has... Okay, his administration has also went on to argue that marriage is a, quote, exclusive, heterogeneous institution, end quote. And any interference to it, quote, would cause complete havoc, end quote, in India's deeply religious society. Hmm. Uh, any, what about the people? Well, about five years ago, the Supreme Court ushered in that new era with banning the gay sex. They called it a vestige of the country's colonial past. So in that case, the court ruled that, quote, sexual autonomy of an individual, end quote, was at the core of individual liberty and that the ban, therefore, had no place in the country's legal system. Uh, so I'm just I'm scrolling down here because I'm trying to like, what are the uh, what are the people they don't have? They don't really have what the uh, the polling says about the general public. So I don't know. And then one more story about India. Did you guys see the killing on live TV? I forgot to tweet it out. But, um, yeah, there's this uh, guy got friggin' smoked live on television. He's surrounded by people. And this was in India's largest state. That would be Uttar Pradesh. So, let me see here. This story is written very convolutedly by three different authors. Uh, but what happened is... The guy who was shot was a former politician, a notorious criminal, and a Muslim, right? And that, that's important because this is an Indian Hindu nationalist government. But basically, cops in Uttar Pradesh, they put him in his sight. They, they put him in their sights. And where is the dude's name? They wait till like way down to actually say the name of the victim here it is atik ahmed okay that's the guy who was shot's name he was like a mobster politician 
And once cops put him and his crime ring in their sights, they started to really like unleash the cops. They really did a take no prisoners campaign. They had three separate raids where they shot four of his associates, including his kid. And the encounters won praise from the leader of Uttar Pradesh, a guy named Yogi Adityanath, a hardline Hindu monk. He is seen, by the way, as a potential prime minister to succeed Modi. So members of his Hindu nationalist governing party and loyal broadcast media outlets echoed the praise. But, um, yeah, they're wondering, like, wow, how, how is it this... How, how did this happen? So Ahmed, along with his brother, so there's two victims on Saturday night, last Saturday night, was fatally shot at close range on live TV as the two were being taken by the cops to the hospital for what had been described as a routine checkup. In the video, you see there's three assailants, one of whom extends his arm in front of an officer's face to fire the bullet as the gun actually touched Ahmed's head. So it was like close range, right? And then they continued firing as both men crumbled to the ground before officers in a 17-person security cordon stepped in to tackle them. As they were taken away, the attackers repeatedly shouted, quote, Jai Shri Ram! End quote. As hail to the Hindu Lord Ram. And that's a spot-on impression, you guys. They sounded exactly like that. But afterwards, two state ministers described the murders of the two Muslim mobsters as akin to divine justice. So it, it kind of sounds like the cops were pretty much like, okay, we're going to pretend like we're pulling security, and then one of you guys just go ahead and uh, take care of this problem for us. By the way, Uttar Pradesh, I said it was the largest state in India. They have 240 million people just in that one state. <laughs> that's that's crazy. That's like, two, that's like two-thirds the size of the entire United States. Uh, that is one-sixth of India's population. So anything that happens there kind of has huge ramifications for the rest of the country. Okay, is that all I have on India, for Christ's sakes? Yes, let us go to this story. Interesting stuff coming out of Washington, D.C. You guys have heard of Credit Suisse, the large bank. I think you guys have talked about them numerous times. It's a uh, Swiss bank, of course. Well, they are now facing new accusations that they have not been fully forthcoming about how much assistance they gave to the Nazis. And this is a quarter century after Credit Suisse agreed to take part in a $1.25 billion settlement of lawsuits by Holocaust survivors. So the Senate Budget Committee on Tuesday released two reports they had obtained from an inquiry that Credit Suisse commissioned into banking activities by German Nazis who went to Argentina in the 1930s. So one of the reports was written by a guy named Neil Barofsky, a lawyer the bank hired to oversee the investigation, but fired in November after the scope expanded to Nazis who fled Europe at the end of World War II. So now the Senate Banking Committee is asking questions here, and this is showing that eight decades after World War II, we still don't really understand how much Swiss banks provided financial assistance to those Nazis. And you guys remember uh, Credit Suisse. Remember they were like losing 20 of tons of money. I covered it on the podcast at the time. They were like, they couldn't pay their bills. They have been purchased now by their rival UBS 
for $3.2 billion. The Budget Committee started this investigation after the Simon Wiesenthal Center. You guys have heard of them. That's the Jewish Human Rights Groups. They contacted Senator Chuck Grassley, the top Republican on the Budget Committee, in February about this report and how the guy got fired and all that. So, uh, and Now, Credit Suisse is fighting back. They're saying, nah, Borofsky's report this, uh, had numerous factual errors, misleading and gratuitous statements, blah, 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 blah. So they produced their own account of events. But after the Senate got involved, the bank has agreed to scrutinize an additional list of names of people associated with a clandestine network that helped Nazis escape Europe after World War II. Okay, I guess. I don't know. Seems like it's fucking all, everybody involved in it is dead, so what's the point? All right, let's go. And let me see here. What do I want to do? How about, this is a weird, that was a weird fun story. Remember, remember like a, I don't know, a year or so ago, remember I talked about mysterious cattle deaths that happened? Well, it appears that there are more in Texas, Madison County, Texas. So six cattle were found dead in Madison County, each with their tongues removed and no signs of a struggle. The Madison County Sheriff's Department said in a statement posted on Facebook that each of the six cows have been found lying on their side, deceased, and mutilated. So the statement reads the following, quote, A straight, clean cut with apparent precision had been made to remove the hide around the cow's mouth on one side, leaving the meat under the removed hide untouched. The tongue was also completely removed from the body with no blood spill. It was noted there were no signs of struggle, and the grass around the cow was undisturbed. Hmm. No footprints or tire tracks were noted in the area. Hmm. End quote. Yeah. While officials were investigating that, um, first cow, that, that, was the, that was the first cow they found, right? And they described it thusly. Well, while they were looking into that, reports of four additional adult cows and one yearling. What the hell is it? What's a yearling, you guys? I'm a city boy. Is that just another young cow? Well, reports of five more friggin' cows in similar condition were reported across Brazos County as well as Robertson County. Each incident occurring in different locations, different pastures, different herds, and no signs of a disturbance nearby. Oh, how about this? The Madison County Sheriff's Department statement continued, adding, quote, talking about these new cows, quote, on two of the five cows, a circular cut was made removing the anus and the external genitalia. Just like the first, there were no signs of struggle or disturbance in the grass, no blood spill, and no noticeable tracks. No predators or birds would scavenge the remains for several weeks after their death. End quote. Wow. So they cut off the butthole and the balls and dick. What is that so weird, dude? Oh, here we go. Remember I said I talked about it a while ago? A similar incident in Oregon was reported in 2019. In that case, five bulls were found drained of blood and missing their tongues and genitals. Uh, and that, and in 2021, the AP reported seven more cattle found dead, um, I think also in Oregon, missing their tongues, eyes, and blood. What is this? And the, the, you know, the freakiest fact to me is that the scavengers wouldn't eat the dead cows. That's, that's crazy. 
All right, you guys can send me your wacky theories in the DMs there. All right, let's uh, go to... Oh, yo, quickly, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I have a few stories about the transgenders, of course, but the New York Times, they put out this headline. Here's the headline. Coco Dadal, star of film on transgender sex workers, is killed in Atlanta. Apparently, this person was featured in something called Kokomo City, a documentary about four black transgender sex workers that won awards, of course it did, at the Sundance Film Festival this year. Okay. Tragedy. Whatever. She was fatally sh- they were fatally shot in Atlanta. Uh, now, I, I specifically bring this up because I actually sat down last night, and I put this out on Twitter. I actually did the math, right? And the Atlanta Police Department, because this happened in Atlanta, they put out a statement, and this is the statement that made me start doing math. They said, the statement reads, quote, while these individual incidents are unrelated, they were talking about other crimes, we are very aware of the epidemic level violence black and brown transgender women face in America, end quote. That's what got me, the epidemic level violence. So I did the math. I went, I went to the Georgia state government website because I wanted to say, okay, first of all, the article in the New York Times um, said, before I get to that, where is what it says here? Um, oh, here it is. According to the New York Times article, since 2013, a total of 19 transgender or gender non-conforming people, so non-binary, right, have been killed in Georgia. 19 since 2013. So I was like, wait, the man said epidemic level. How many murders have there been in Georgia, the state of Georgia? Because the 19, that's for the whole state, not just Atlanta. And I went to the Georgia state website where they have all the FBI uniform crime reports right there. It's very easy to see. And I said, how many murders have there been in the state of Georgia since 2013? Well, they had data up until 2021, and then I went and looked at 2022. It was I don't have the exact number for me. It's well over 5,000 murders since 2013 in the state of Georgia. Remember, the article says since 2013, a total of 19 transgender or non-binary people have been killed in Georgia. So in other words, out of over, well over 5,000 murders, 19 of them have been transgender, non-binary. And so I did the math. If you just take those numbers and assume that they're all uh, transgender, non-binary, the percentage of the total murders, 19, is th- uh, about, th- about 3.34. It's about three-tenths of 1% of the total murders. So out of all 5,000, transgender people or non-binary make up three-tenths three of 1%. Does that sound like epidemic level to violence to you? And then I looked into it further. And that's assuming, by the way, that all 19 were black or brown transgender women. Because remember, the, the department said epidemic level violence black and brown transgender women. So if, you, if a few of those 19 killed were white, then that is an even tinier percentage. You guys see where I'm going with this? I'm just, and nobody in the media bothers to point this out. That's all you hear. Oh, this is an epidemic. It's not. And then one of you guys, helpfully, on Twitter, told me that the, according to the state of Georgia, they estimate their population of transgender and just transgender people is f- about half a percent. So in other words, they're being killed at less than their rate of population. 
You know what I'm saying, guys? I'm, I, I didn't want to bring this up and do a whole math. Go look for yourself. Go look and do the math. Go look at count up the murders I did. I counted by every year, added them up, and then I did the, the, divided 19 by 5,000 whatever, and that's the number you get. But the media is just so bad. Why wouldn't you put that fact in there? Or why is there's no pushback against the constant propaganda? And that's what just fucking annoys me so much, dude. Just the constant propaganda of all this nonsense. Now, let us go to Montana. A state representative named Zoe Zephyr is a Democrat state representative in the city of Mon- uh, the state of Montana. They were unhappy because the Montana state legislature passed a bill to ban gender affirming care. That's a euphemism for giving sex changes to whoever wants them, right? So they had some words to say. I'm going to play it now. If it will start off here from, oh, come on, New York Times. This is from, Zoe. she stood up. This is in the state legislature, by the way. And the transgender member stood up and uh, condemned this bill. So let us hear it. Here we go. This is them. The use of the medical care that is accepted by every major medical association. If you disallow that care and don't allow people to to have access to that, the only therapy left is either A, meaningless, or B, conversion therapy, which is torture. No, that's not true. I also want to point out, again, gender-affirming care is not Orwellian newspeak, as it says in this letter. No, it is. It is accepted by every major medical association. Because they've been browbeaten into it by the activists. I will also say what I said down committee earlier. uh, This bill uses, um, tries to define male and female as binary. You could not legislate binary sex any more than you could legislate that the earth is flat. Sex people exist, (laughs) trans people exist, and this bill doesn't change that. Um... Lastly, I would say that there were conversations at the end of this, uh, at the very end of the bill, uh, the letter that says life-altering medical procedures should wait until they are adults. Um, What I will say is if you are, by this bill and by what these amendments do, if you are forcing a trans child to go through puberty when they are trans, that is tantamount to torture. If you vote yes on this bill and yes on these amendments, I hope the next time there's an invocation, when you bow your heads in prayer, you see the blood on your hands. Okay, so that was, uh, so you heard, that is a, uh, it is a biological male who is a transgender female now. So now they're calling, they didn't like that. They're calling for censure of Zoe Zephyr and uh, saying, no, this, we're not going to have uh, people talk to us like that. And so they were going to, uh, they were the Montana Freedom Caucus, a group of conservative lawmakers responded to that uh, and called for her to be censured. But the House adjourned without taking that step. They probably won't uh, take it up. So the other thing is you heard them say you cannot define the uh, sex as binary. But th- that is that is that is so such a lie. It's. XX chromosome or XY chromosome. That's sex, and that's it, okay? And they always bring up intersex people. Okay, what is that, like one in a billion people, one in hundreds of millions of people that truly have both chromosomes? Stop trying to bring that up in defense. It's just 
just uh, crazy. And in other transgender news, the United States House passed a bill to bar transgender athletes from female sports teams. Of course, that has no chance of passing the Democratic-controlled Senate and has no chance of being signed by President Biden. It was approved entirely along party lines, 219 to 203. And in a statement, the White House said that Biden, even if it did pass the Senate, would veto it to if it made its way to its desk. And the Democrats dismissed the bill as hateful, insidious, radical. Those are all direct quotes. And it's just not. And the, and the defense that they always come up with is, oh, you're, you're trying to let you're trying to make it so transgender people can't play sports. And that's a complete lie as well. You can play all the sports you want. Go play sports. You just have to compete against people who are your biological sex. I would urge you one more time to go Google the podium photo of that swimmer, Leah Thomas, who won all the NCAA championships. Look at Leah Thomas's size and shoulder width compared to the two college female athletes on the podium. And then, yes, with a straight face, tell me there's no, absolutely no advantage. Clown show. Let's keep going and talk about some of these shootings. Um, I got a couple of them. One was uh, in Missouri. That is when 84-year-old Andrew Lester pleaded not guilty of uh, in the shooting of 16-year-old Ralph Yarl, who had come to Lester's door mistakenly thinking it was the address where his younger siblings were waited to be picked up. And this fucking lunatic, Lester... I don't know all the details, but he started just blasting the kid. Lester does live alone. He told the police after the shooting he had fired his gun because he saw someone on his front step apparently trying to enter and was, quote, scared to death, end quote, of being physically harmed. Now, the Clay County prosecutor is saying that there was a, quote, racial component, end quote, to the shooting, but he did not elaborate. Of course, Lester is white. And Jarl is African-American. So that was one of them. Uh, Jarl, by the way, it sounds like he's going to be okay, the kid. He sounds like he's going to live. Now, in a, far, in a more severe case, up in New York, 65-year-old Kevin Monahan was denied bail this week in a case where prosecutors say he fatally shot 20-year-old Kaylin Gillis after she and a group of friends mistakenly drove up to his driveway while looking for another friend's house. You believe this fucking moron? Both of them, honestly. If Obviously, if those are both things that are true in both circumstances, right? Because a lawyer for Monaghan says that's not what happened. He's saying that several vehicles were speeding up Monaghan's driveway with engines revving and lights shining. So... Here's the thing, guys. None of this is acceptable. With great power comes great responsibility. And yes, you being armed with a device in your hand that can kill somebody is great power. And with it comes great responsibility. And I don't want to hear this, oh, I was scared. But you're, you you just start shooting wildly? What? did? He, and I don't know if like the, the one dude, the 84-year-old, did he shoot through his door? Yeah, I don't, I don't know... Exactly what happened. Here's more on Lester. Uh, he Lester has been released on bond, by the way. Um, what else? Uh, Lester also was a big uh, 
you know, QAnon Fox News guy. <laughs> he used to rant about Anthony Fauci, according to his grandson. So, yeah, you just cannot do this. I mean, there's no excuse. If I can be in the middle of a crowd of hundreds in Iraq and have small arms gunfire around or shit blowing up around, I don't immediately, I never drew my gun and just started shooting blindly. Every round in your weapon and in your magazine, if you change magazine, every one of those rounds you are accountable for. That was drilled into our heads day one. You are accountable for it. So it doesn't matter if you have a negligent discharge. It doesn't matter if you're spraying, trying to kill a terrorist that's shooting at you in a crowd of uh, civilians. You are accountable for those rounds. And so I do not have any sympathy for dudes who are in secure facilities, in this case their house, who just start blasting people without knowing exactly what they are, uh, what what they're shooting at? And again, this is let me caveat that by saying if those are actually the circumstances, and that will come out in court. I just think that's insane to just start shooting at people when you don't even know what you're shooting at. So uh, the people showed up at Lester's house. Now, one thing I will say, I got a big kick out of the differences in publicity. So in the New York shooting, the young woman who sadly was murdered in my opinion. She was white, and the homeowner is also white, so really didn't get a lot of play. In the Missouri one, the young kid is black, and the old man is white. So immediately all the activists get involved in that one. They're showing up at the dude's house en masse, and I just had to laugh because I'm like, you know what? These people, these activists, that's the only time they show up and get out in the streets. The only time is when it's a white shooter and a black victim. Other than that, they don't care. They absolutely do not care. And I'll pre- remember, the, did you guys see the Alabama birthday party shooting? Four people killed, 32 others injured at a shooting at a dance studio last Saturday night. It was like a sweet 16 party. They have arrested multiple people, including two teenagers, 17 years old and 16 years old. This is in uh, Alabama. Later, they arrested a 20-year-old guy and another 20-year-old guy and another 19-year-old guy. So they've arrested five people. All have been charged with four counts of reckless murder. And this is a small town. This was in Dadeville, Alabama. Uh, And the entire town only has about 3,000 people in it. So this is insane to me. And by the way, all the victims are black. And all these, those arrested are black. Do you see, did you see any local preachers organizing marches? Did you see any people on MSNBC, CNN decrying the violence, the shooting? No, they, they don't care. They do not bring it up unless it's the aforementioned white shooter, black victim. The only time they care. They don't care about extensive gang violence day in and day out. They've grown up. They've accepted it. They don't care. They don't care when a drive-by shooting nabs some nine-year-old chick in the head. They don't care. There's no marches. There's no organizations by the local preachers. They do not give a shit. So I'm going to go ahead and just call their bullshit on that because I'm tired of seeing it. I think it's a fucking tragedy whenever it's a young person being killed. So I'm just tired of the hypocrisy on that a little bit. And then here's one, by the way. And the kid, Yarl. This 16-year-old black kid who got shot. And luckily, thank God, he's going to be okay. It sounds like he's going to fully recover, which is a miracle. 
But he got a call from Joe Biden. Yeah, the President of the United States called his house. Well, how about this one? Did you hear about the Home Depot murder in California? Yeah, this kid, Blake Mose, M-O-H-S, 26 years old, he was a loss prevention officer. He was trying to stop a suspected thief in Home Depot. And they have arrested a 32-year-old female, Benicia Knapps, and her boyfriend, David Guillory, 31 years old, as the alleged getaway driver. Oh, and by the way, just to add, cream, add uh, some topping to it, they also had a little kid in the car, and they're both facing child endangerment charges. So she's trying to claim that, oh, no, uh, she accidentally fired the gun. Right now, it's just that uh, we were struggling, and the gun just went off. This was just a young man, prime of his life, working hard in a job, and he's murdered by two pieces of complete shit. By the way, I should point out that Naps is not only being charged with murder, she's being charged with felon in possession of a firearm. So she has a record. And nobody cares about this kid getting schwacked. Of course, Mose is white, and his two murderers are black. And that's why. That's why no phone call from Joe Biden. That's why his death isn't discussed for hours and freaking hours on CNN. Unbelievable, dude. But that's what you get. And that just bolsters, again, you guys, they do not care. Unless white shooter, black kid. And if you take it from that, approach from that perspective, you'll understand a lot more. Okay. Let's do, oh, this. let's go to Florida. Ron DeSantis has signed into law lowering the death penalty fresh threshold. This is fantastic. They will become the state with the lowest threshold for imposing the death penalty under this new law. It will allow juries to recommend capital punishment without a unanimous vote. It will allow juries to recommend a death sentence with an 8-4 to four vote. And it was prompted, this change, by that stupid Florida jury's decision last year to sentence to life in prison without parole the guy who killed 17 people in the 2018 mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland. The jury had voted 9-3 to in favor of that death penalty in that case, but the judge could not oppose it unless every juror had voted in favor. That's oh, fantastic. Very, very good. Yep, he uh, DeSantis got the bill, quickly signed it into law. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I'm wildly for this. I think it's r- r- ridiculous. Um, I'm drawing a blank because the New York Times is doing that thing where they don't name the shooter. Uh, but that is luckily not out of the realm of possibility for the steel trap mind. That would be Nicholas Cruz, who was the shooter at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland. Guys, that's not in front of me. I didn't look it up in advance. The steel trap mind cannot be stopped. I keep trying to tell you nobody else is capable of doing this. They're not intelligent enough. They weren't born with the tools. All they're capable is have five dopes sitting around a microphone. All the other podcasts you guys listen to. Oh, yeah. Boobs. Bacon. Oh, once I was masturbating. Ugh. Titties. Okay. <laughs> That's all they talk about. Not this guy. Uh, Anything else about this? Uh, Nearly all of the 27 states that allow the death penalty require unanimous sentencing votes by juries. uh, One of the few is Alabama. 
Alabama requires a 10 to 2 majority. India and Missouri allow judges to decide the sentence when jurors are divided. Of course, the New York Times has to write out at least 30 inmates who were sentenced to death in Florida have since been ex- exonerated. Yeah, whatever. All right. They think this new law will, of course, be challenged in court. How could you not give the death penalty to Nicholas Cruz? He murdered kids. See, he murdered them. What was it, 17, 17, 18? He murdered them. He's a psycho kid who went and planned it and first-degree murdered 17 kids in high school. Who is the fucking dope on the jury? The three dopes. Like, no, I just don't see it, guys. I just don't see it. So that's the thing. You can. I think people are deliberately sabotaging some of these juries, these, these uh, anti-death penalty zealots. They really want to get on there. Stupid. All right. Uh, let's go to a little bit of a political roundup. Guys, the, po- the po- politics are heating up. I, for one, can't wait for our two-year presidential campaign. <laughs> one year and a, a year and a half right now. Uh, first of all, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has officially said he's going to run for the White House. This nut. Yep. Remember, he is the son of John F. Kennedy. And yeah, he's uh, going to run on a presidential campaign built on COVID-19. And, you know, he remember, he was a big anti-vax guy, not just for COVID-19, which there's some merit to that, but for basic ones, measles, mumps, rubella, the MMR sequence that you give all little kids. But he's jumped out to a 14 percentage point favorability among Democrats. That's insane to me. This guy's, have you heard him talk to, I don't have any clips here and I don't want to play him because he's like total propagandist, nut job. But there are still a lot of old people who are in love with the Kennedys, and I that baffles me. The New York people, the Boston people, the D.C. people, they fucking suck off the Kennedy name. Anybody with the Kennedy name, dude, they will be like, oh, God, yes, put it all over my face. You're a Kennedy. Oh, oh, it's so warm. Oh, let me lap it up some more. They're really like that. I don't get it. Like, what's so great about them? John F. Kennedy himself, I will say, was a war hero. Good on him. But the other, the rest of the family is a bunch of nuts. And Robert F. Kennedy, if you haven't heard him speak, and I don't have any clips of him, he sounds like this when he talks. He's got some problem with his voice. He does not like vaccines. I'm not even exaggerating, you guys. That is a spot-on impression. So go Google it right now. He he. How we can't? You cannot have a president who talks like that. You just can't. He does not project any strength or anything. All he has is a name. He's a nut. He's 69 years old, by the way. In the speech declaring, that speech lasted two hours. God, he's just a nut, dude. Um, Very good. And also, he wasn't the only one. Guess who else is running for president who declared? Larry Elder on the Republican side. That's right. Of course, Larry Elder was wildly, soundly defeated in the California recall election. That was the recall to get rid of Gavin Newsom. And he lost huge, but um, he is a conservative talk radio host, uh, and he made the announcement on Tucker Carlson's show the other day. So, so far, running for president on the Republican side, it will be Larry Elder and Donald Trump, because, you know, remember, Governor DeSantis has not yet made his run official. Now, I like Larry Elder on some stuff. I listen, used to listen to his uh, radio show sometimes. Uh, 
and I agree with him on a lot of things about, um, you know, racial preferences, how it divides us, stuff like that, his small government stuff. But he, he's also, he's another guy who's caught up in the culture wars, like abortion and you know, gays and shit like that. And it's just like, that doesn't play in California, and I just don't think it's going to play nationally. Uh, anything else? Oh, in the political route. Oh, by the way, they're battling over the labor secretary nominee for Joe Biden. Yeah, he, you're, you guys are never going to believe this. Joe Biden nominated another complete failure. That's right. In addition to nominating uh, Phil Washington, who had to pull, who was forced to withdraw from the FAA administrator spot because he's a complete idiot. Uh, Joe Biden also insistently pushed through the Eric Garcetti, former mayor of Los Angeles, and now he's going to be the ambassador to India after destroying the city of Los Angeles. Well, yet another banger here was Julie Sue. Yes, that's right. She is trying to become the acting... The, she wants to be the uh, labor secretary. And the only thing that matters to the left is she's an Asian woman, right? That's the only thing that matters. But to, and, and it's not just Republicans saying this. Some Democrats are like, we do not want this chick. Because not only does she have two uh, very strong ties to labor, but... She was the former California labor secretary, and she was the one who oversaw giving out $30 billion in pandemic relief to organized crime. She was in charge of that agency. That is the largest fraud, I'm just guessing, in any one state in the United States histories, and she oversaw the whole thing. Not only did she give away $30 billion to organized crime, she also was unable to get actual people there COVID relief money. Just a completely, completely incompetent. Just a total friggin' botch job, dude. Yeah, and they are highlighting that. Uh, she was the state's labor secretary in 2020. The, the, one of the Republicans brought up uh, how a rapper was boasting about the hundreds of thousands of dollars in fraudulent funds he got on video. Ms. Sue has conceded that a large number of claims are improper. $30 billion. But it doesn't matter because we live in an era now. The only thing that matters, how many times have I told you guys? Your skin color, your genitals, and whether you prefer or do not prefer penis. Those are the only, those are the top qualities for every single job in the government. So let's go to some audio clips. Now, first of all, this happened. John Fetterman, the giant mongoloid from Pennsylvania, is now a United States senator. He's back. And he read an opening statement in his first subcommittee hearing since being hospitalized. First, he had the stroke, then it was depression. Let's hear how this goes. He's bringing the meeting to order here. And lowering his glasses. I called to this hearing of the U.S. Senate subcommittee and food and nutrition, specialty crops, organics, and research to order. Chairwoman Stevenow. And... Ranking member Boozman, thank you so much for coming. I thank you for your leadership on this committee, and I look forward to working with you to pass a farm bill. A farm bill that works for small far farmers, rural communities, and hungry Americans. I would also like to thank my ranking member, Senator Braun. I look forward to working closely with you. SNAP is one of the most effective programs to fight hunger and poverty in the country. 
in my time and effort in IFAS as the mayor of Braddock to lieutenant governor to now, I have heard from Pennsylvanians about their support for a SNAP. Hunger is not a Republican or a Democrat issue. It's all of our issue that we have to take it on. Opening some more notes. We need to come together and stop playing political games with Americans' access to food. Americans like Chair about Glory Jor from the north to the town of Northeast in Pennsylvania he tells me that his victim was skimming, which was when somebody stole money and he relied from its snap EBT. Oh, okay, just let me put him out of his misery. Let me stop it. It go. It gets worse, but <laughs> the guys just. He's gone. Uh, this is funny. So uh, this was during a uh, another meeting, and Eric Swalwell is, uh, you know, the California Republican. Well, he got into it with uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, let's listen to how this goes. Our rhetoric and to denounce anti-Semitism and anti-police rhetoric in this country, so that Jewish Americans and police officers can be safer. Congressman, I do. Thank you, and I yield back. The gentleman yields, and now I recognize the gentlelady from Georgia, Miss Green. That was quite entertaining from someone that had a sexual relationship with a Chinese spy, and everyone knows it. But I move to take our words down. <laughs> Completely inappropriate. Yes, yeah, stand by just a second while we research the rule. <laughs> Very um, just inappropriate, Mister. Uh, I need to. Reclaim my, make sure I have my full five minutes. Okay, and then that just goes on. But that was the big one. It's like, yeah, yeah, nice from a guy who had sex with a Chinese spy, and everybody's like, oh. Uh, here's another one. Uh, the education secretary, uh, Cardona, he was asked uh, by a representative about uh, a basic question. He was asked, what is a woman? Let's, this should be funny. So can you please tell me, or can you please define for me, what is a woman? Uh our focus at the department is to provide equal access to students, <laughs> including students who are uh, LGBTQ, uh, access free from discrimination. Is that so? What's the def What's the definition of a woman? You haven't given me that. You haven't answered my well, question. I think that's almost secondary to the important role that I have as Secretary of Education. No, my it's not. It's not secondary. My question is very simple. What is the def <laughs> What does HHS say the definition of a woman is? Uh. Uh, I lead the Department of Education, and my job is to make sure that all students have access to public education, yes. which includes co-curricular activities. And I think you highlighted pretty well. All right, so he just he goes on to fill, but he can't say it. He's the Secretary of Education. He can't answer what is a woman. Uh, here's more from uh, Miguel Cardona. Get this. He's asked about how we shut down schools during the pandemic for, in some cases like California, almost two years. Uh, let's hear what his answer is to this. It's a this. simple question. Do you feel we were right to close schools? During the pandemic, I was serving as commissioner of education and the decision to uh, temporarily close schools to protect students and families and educators was made at the local level and it was the right decision in those communities. So you believe it was a good decision to, to close public schools and, and there's a good scientific reason to believe it was a good decision. Absolutely, and I also believe Idiot. that it was important to reopen our schools safely. And when I became Secretary of Education, 47% of the schools in this country were open full-time. Within nine months, so, I had so over 98%. Well, open. I hope so, because the pandemic was over by then. Yeah. I certainly hope so. <laughs> Nailed him. How could you possibly think that that was a good decision? 
you know, all you have to do is say like, you know, tr- I mean, dude, Trump was the president then. You don't even have to cover for a um, a Republican or a Democrat. Just say like, yeah, you know, I guess at the time, if it was me, I'd be like, you know what? People thought it was a good decision at the time. Clearly, knowing now what we know now as the science and understanding of COVID advanced, it was not the right decision. That's all. How hard is that? Uh, then Adam Schiff, you guys know him. Uh, he was interrupted by a heckler. He was talking, he was at some meeting about, he's at a House Judiciary meeting about uh, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. So Schiff is talking, and uh, you're going to hear the heckler chime in. Let's uh, listen. This is not a coincidence at all. Instead, it is the GOP leadership in Congress doing what it has done best for the last six years, and that is to act as the criminal defense counsel for Donald J. Trump. Well, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Capitol Police, gentlemen, will suspend. Capitol Police. Capitol Police will remove the gentleman from the audience. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. You're a scumbag. Let me tell you this. I got you all on video. Your face with no attention. Donald J. Trump. About their families. Yeah, all right. Oh, they should be, yes, I'm for that wildly. All of them. Follow them around. Say I got you on video. Uh, Let's see. And then uh, there was this one. You guys know California Senator Dianne Feinstein is completely gone. She's got wild dementia. Covered it for a while. So the... New York Senator Democrat Kirsten Gillibrand went on with Jake Tapper, and he's asking her about this, saying, hey, don't you uh, think it's maybe time for this old senile woman to, to retire? Let's hear how this goes. Who wants there to play? There calls among Democrats for uh, 89-year-old Senator Dianne Feinstein uh, to resign. She's missed 60 votes for the last two months. 60! Uh, her absence is increasingly harming Democrats' ability to confirm nominees, pass legislation, there's been a lot of talk in the last several years about her awareness, her, her, her cognitive ability. She's a vegetable. You think it's time for her to step down? Diane Feinstein is an extraordinary senator, and she's been a role model and a mentor <laughs> to me my entire career. She's missed 60 I sit votes. With her on the Intelligence Committee. She asked some of the most searing, pointed questions Bullshit. of anyone on that committee. What, what year her was legacy that? Legacy and her depth of experience is valuable. And we've had so many senators who have had illnesses, whether it's Mitch McConnell's illnesses or senators who have had strokes. These are issues that we're human. And we believe that a senator should be able to make their own judgments about when they're retiring and when they're not. And they all deserve a chance to get better and come back to work. Uh, Diane will get better. No, she she won't. Okay. No, she will not get better. She tried to bring up Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell was sick, and then he got, and then he had a non-brain illness, and then he came back, and he's fine by all accounts. John Fetterman's a, he's like on his way to Vegetable Town. Diane Feinstein's already there. Does any she's I didn't know it was that sixty votes she's missed in two months. God. Oh, and then finally, uh, let's finish by playing my favorite Kamala Harris. You guys are going to hear a familiar phrase in this one. Let's go for it. Here's Kamala. I I think about innovation as being the pursuit of that, right? The pursuit of what makes us more efficient, more accurate, faster. 
right, more relevant to the needs of the people. We don't engage in innovation because we're bored with things the way they've been. It's the pursuit of doing things better than we have done and seeing what is possible unburdened by what has been. <laughs> Boy, she, really, she really thinks that unburdened by what has been line is just a, hot, a banger, dude. You'd think there'd be one person, like, because what is that, like the fifth or sixth time I've played her carrying on about not being, un, or being unburdened by what has been or whatever gibberish she's saying? You'd think there'd be like one person who's like writing the speech and like, uh, you know what, uh, Senator, you know, you, you've said this same phrase like 47 times in a year and a half. Can we maybe, why don't we mix it up? <laughs> let's, let's just, we can say the same thing. Just change the verbiage, because you've said literally this same sequence of words a bazillion times, and it's always weird. Okay, that's your political roundup, guys. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, because I, I really did uh, enjoy it. How about um, a few business stories? Let's talk about Southwest Airlines. So they, they, had, they had to briefly halt their takeoff of flights nationwide. It didn't last very long, but still... They said that uh, the problem was caused by a technological problem. The airline said in a statement that a connection to some operational data was unexpectedly lost when a firewall supplied by a vendor went down early Tuesday. Southwest did not immediately cancel many flights, but more than 1,700 flights were delayed, representing more than 40% of its schedule for the day. And then, of course, you had all the additional delays because that ripples outward, right? At the airline's request, the Federal Aviation Administration had also briefly stopped Southwest flights from taking off. Now, that's significant because, of course, that comes just a few months after that huge meltdown around Christmas that cost Southwest more than $1 billion. Ugh, they're just on a bad run right now. Uh, then Netflix. Netflix is finally ending their DVD service. That's right. Sending actual physical discs through the mail. They did it for a long time, 25 years. But uh, that was their original business model. And they're ending it. At its peak in 2010, roughly 20 million people subscribed to the DVD service. And the company said this week it will ship its final DVDs to customers on September 29th. Now, I would, be, I would love to know how many people are actually getting DVDs in the mail. But Netflix will not say how many. That's kind of a bummer. Uh, the first DVD ever shipped by the company was in March 1998. And what movie was it? It was Beetlejuice, the Michael Keaton classic, hilarious movie. The most frequently re uh, requested DVD was the movie The Blind Side, Starring Sandra Bullock. And yes, the company has sent out more than 5.2 billion DVDs over the years. Uh, that was part of their earnings report. So they had a strong fourth quarter. They added 7.7 .7 million subscribers. Netflix said revenue has risen 4% from the year earlier to 8.1 billion. Profit hit 1.3 billion. I do not have Netflix. I think I'm the only guy in America who don't have Netflix. And I'll tell you why I don't, because the CEO, Reed Hastings, is a huge Gavin Newsom fan and donated heavily to that recall, uh, to Gavin Newsom, that is, so he could defeat the recall. So I refuse, absolutely refuse to have Netflix in the BK household. Not going to happen. And then 
Let's talk about Tesla. They released earnings as well. They <clears throat> the, the big takeaway from Tesla is their profit dropped. Now, Tesla used to be an outlier in the car because they made so much money per car, they could afford some hiccups. But now they've had to reduce prices on each car by thousands of dollars because, one, the cars are too expensive for people to afford, and there's a lot of competition coming now. So, Net, uh, I'm sorry, Netflix. Uh, Tesla said they made $2.5 billion in the first quarter. That's profit. That's a net. That's not revenue. That's profit. That is a drop from $3.7 billion in the last three months of last year. And they had $3.3 billion in the first quarter of 2022. So $2.5 billion in the first quarter this year is uh, pretty far down. Now, they did sell more electric cars in the United States last year than all of their competitors combined. But their market share has slipped because traditional car makers like GM, Ford, Volkswagen are selling electric cars now that often undercut Tesla on price. And in China, Tesla has been overtaken by BYD. You guys, does that name sound familiar to you guys, BYD? That is the Chinese electric bus company who decided to get into the mask business and Gavin Newsom gave a billion dollars to to send him masks. It stands for build your dreams. Yes, yes, you're, you heard me right. Gavin Newsom sent an electric bus company a taxpayer check for millions of masks and no journalist has ever asked where those masks are. Did they arrive? Are they in a warehouse somewhere? <laughs> they don't care. Journalists don't ask any questions to the guys that they uh, fucking are in love with. So to try to maintain their hold in the market, Tesla has made a series of price cuts. But yeah, they had famously much wider profit margins than other automakers, but uh, those are quickly going down. So that's great. And then speaking of Elon Musk and his companies, you guys all saw SpaceX. It was very exciting. Yeah, the Starship uh, did experience, in their words, a rapid unscheduled disassembly, which is fantastic, meaning it blew up. That was a four-minute-long flight that SpaceX happened. Um, they tried to launch that uh, big-ass rocket they had. Very exciting. And because it's Elon Musk, of course, everybody, like, gloated. But, you know, this shit happens. This is how you test rockets. So tons of them blow up. It happened at NASA. It's happening at SpaceX. It happens. And even, you know, Elon Musk said, uh, you know, we'd love for it to lift off. We'd love for it to do the whole orbit. Uh, it's like a 50-50 shot. But uh, it didn't make it. And that's the kind of thing that happens. But it's very exciting to watch. I'm a big fan of, I, I was, I've never been to a rocket launch. I've always wanted to go. And by the way, that was their Starship rocket. It is huge. It's like, what is it? It's, it's like a gig, it's gigantic. It's like four stories high. And this, of course, is on the heels of many other. They launched a prototype named Starhopper on August 27, 2019 that went 500 feet up in the air and flew down sideways and came down on a separate landing pad. And then they had a full-size Starship prototype, the SN5, that went up 500 feet and kept going and going. And this is part of the process. But now Elon Musk is fucking widely hated because of Twitter. So everybody hates him now. Oh, by the way, Twitter did remove their government funded labels from media accounts. I'm bummed out about that. 
Yes, this happened after NPR and other public broadcasters in several countries criticized the labels as misleading and suspended the use of their Twitter accounts. So the removal of labels, it's a big, you know, wild shift from Elon. He doesn't give any, like, um, preparation. He just does things. And also, Twitter began removing their blue checkmark icons. Yeah, from thousands and thousands of people. And you should have heard this. You should have seen it crying about that. And NPR reported that Musk said in the email that Twitter had dropped all media labels and that this, quote, was Walter Isaacson's suggestion, end quote, apparently referring to the author and former media executives working on a book about Musk. But NPR complained and they said they were going to get rid of all the Twitter use. They have like 40 different NPR accounts after the social network designated the broadcaster, quote, U.S. state affiliated media, end quote. They then changed the label to, quote, government funded media, end quote, and gave the same designation to PBS. Uh, and then <clears throat> here's what PBS said. They said on their website, because they're commercial-free, many people mistakenly believe the government provides the bulk of its funding, but federal funding accounts for only, air quotes, about 15% of their revenue. So PBS protested the label, quote, government-funded media, end quote. Are they not? <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> Friggin' joke, dude. And then speaking of the media, BuzzFeed News is shutting down completely. Yeah, they became a Pulitzer Prize winning operation. That is hilarious, dude. Billions in funding, guys. They lost millions and millions of dollars. They were founded in 2011, and uh, they uh, you know, tried to open overseas bureaus, a bunch of fancy reporters all flew there. But guess what, you guys? the news division failed to make money because there's no money in digital advertising. There is just none. And that's why I have to say, I am very proud that World News with BK has outlasted BuzzFeed News. And in addition, World News with BK does not receive one penny in government funding. Very proud of the, both those two things. I hope you guys are too. So, the only way I'm obviously able to do this is through my generous patrons. So again, I would ask you guys to go to patreon.com and search for BK Actual. Because if you you guys, this doesn't just happen. I'm trying, I do the BuzzFeed story. I want to make you aware of how difficult it is to make money in the online news space because you can get it for free and it's near impossible. So the only way I'm able to do this is relying on you guys who believe in this type of thing and believe in me exposing government corruption and believe in me exposing stories that they try to hush up. And if you believe in that, I would ask, like, say, yeah, because it takes time. It takes a lot of effort. I, I respond. I spend a lot of time on social media responding to people who send me stuff. I mean, it all takes time. And uh, that is why it's as good as it is. So I would encourage you guys, patreon.com, search for BK Actual, be a part of it. And yeah, fucking not one penny in government funding. How about that? Let's move on here. And Alec Baldwin, charges are being dismissed completely. <laughs> this, is, this is completely insane. Like, really? 
prosecutors on Friday formally dismissed an involuntary manslaughter charge against Alec Baldwin, of course, in that failed 2021 shooting of a cinematographer on the set of his Western film called Rust. They're citing new evidence and the need for more time to investigate? It's been like two years. (laughs) What new evidence? This is ridiculous. Special prosecutors filed the notice to dismiss the only remaining criminal allegation against Baldwin in Santa Fe. Prosecutors say the investigation of the shooting that killed Helena Hutchins and injured director Joel Sousa is ongoing. Now, an involuntary manslaughter charge against that dopey weapons supervisor, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, is unchanged. But yeah, the court finally says new facts have been revealed that demand further investigation and forensic evidence. What's to investigate here? He pulled the trigger. A bullet came out. killed her. Now, I'm on the record as saying I don't really think it was necessarily Baldwin's fault because, as I pointed out at the time, when you're making a big movie, you have to depend on people and like to check these things for you. Otherwise, you'd be there all friggin' day. You know, and you can't like you'd have to spill. You'd have to take out all the ammunition. Look at each round. Even then, you might not even know what you're looking for or looking at. So if three or four people are weapon supervisors and they've checked the weapons and they're responsible. Yes. When they hand it to you, the actor, I would assume like, okay, this weapon has been checked. I would, I would say, is this weapon been checked? And they're all going to say like, yes. And I'm like, okay, it's been checked. It's good to go. I guess <clears throat> maybe. You know, negligence you could do on Baldwin, but I know, and I know this isn't popular with a lot of you guys because you hate Alec Baldwin because he's got those bizarre political issues. I get it. I'm just saying at a certain point, you have to put your faith in people whose whole job it is, is to check these things. Now, the prosecutors did say uh, charges may be refiled. They're not going to refile any charges. I'm predicting that, right? Charges will not be filed against Alec. This is done. This is a done deal. They still don't know how live ammo found its way into the 45 caliber revolver that is a 19th century reproduction. So, yep. That's it. That's it for Baldwin. Fucking lucky guy. Uh, Let's go to this story. Sports story. Ex-New Mexico State basketball players have filed a suit over their teammates' alleged sexual misconduct in acts of hazing. Yeah, two former... New Mexico State basketball players have sued the school, the former coach, and three players to say this happened during the 2022-2023 season. This is Deuce Benjamin and Shakiru Odunewu. In this is this is listen to this, this is gra- in one instance, Odunewu says three players pinned him down in the back of a bus and pulled his pants down. And then the lawsuit reads, quote, he was held face down and could not speak due to a hand held over his mouth by one of the three. He was terrified. They slapped his bare buttocks and he felt fingers inserted into his anus while his scrotum was simultaneously squeezed, end quote. Are you freaking kidding me right now? That is disgusting and gross. Oh, my God. You guys know the rule. I'm all for hazing in a way. And it doesn't involve once you do not mess with a person's genitals and you do not have them mess with your genitals. It's not that hard. Yeah. Tie into a backboard, pour fucking paps blue ribbon down their throat as they're tied up, hang them upside down for a little bit. That's all good fun stuff. 
that sticking your finger up another dude's at you're gay dude <laughs> so weird very weird okay and then let's go to this story this is fantastic and a lot of you guys did send this to me do you remember the over 50 intelligence officials who said the laptop of hunter biden was russian propaganda all that stuff well we've got more details on it and it turns out exactly how you thought it was the this all happened because Joe Biden's presidential campaign went to former acting CIA director Mike Morrell, Mike Morell, I'm sorry, to help Biden. They wanted him to organize 50 colleagues to sign that infamous letter in October of 2020, falsely claiming that the emails from Hunter Biden's laptop published by the New York Post were Russian disinformation. In private sworn testimony, Morell told the House Judiciary Committee that Antony Blinken, the now current Secretary of State, was the senior campaign official who reached out to him on or before October 17, 2020, three days after the New York Post published an email from the laptop suggesting Hunter had introduced his Ukrainian business partner to his friend, then Vice President Biden. Morell wanted to be CIA director. So, of course, he said, yeah, I'll do whatever I get. And he even, his testimony reads verbatim. This is a direct quote from the testimony, which you can go read if you want. He organized it, quote, to help Vice President Biden because I wanted him to win the election, end quote. Until Anthony Blinken called him, Morell told House investigators he had no intention of writing any statement. So then, yeah, that's what he did. He, and he, Morell claims he did a, quote, a little bit of my own research, end quote. What was that? What research? He didn't, have, he didn't do any research. He said, oh, what? I want to be CIA director. You're the senior campaign manager for Joe Biden. Of course I'll do it. So then he reaches out to retired CIA senior operations officer, a guy I torture on Twitter all the time, Mark Polymer, Polymeropoulos. Yeah, Mark Polymeropoulos is big on Twitter. Everybody sucks him off left and right because he's kind of a lib and he's a former CIA guy, so he's like a golden child on Twitter, right? And I'm always asking him. I'm like, hey, Mark, have you uh, ever apologized for signing that letter, which you knew was false and you signed it anyway? He has not, by the way. And uh, Morell gathered signatures from 51 intelligence officials, including himself, four other former CIA directors, including John Brennan and Leon Panetta. How about that? It was all bullshit. But they did it. And, and where's Blinken in this? I mean, shouldn't he be impeached? <sighs> he should be. That's and if you want if you want to talk about election interference, that was a huge story, covered up at the request of the media. Remember the New York Post because Musk didn't own Twitter at the time was suspended from Twitter for publishing that story. And then there's another one. You guys have heard about that IRS whistleblower who's claiming that the Biden administration is thwarting and interfering with the Hunter Biden criminal probe. Yeah, a man serving as a supervising agent on that criminal tax probe has come forward seeking whistleblower protections. And his claims contradict sworn testimony but to Congress by a senior political appointee. Okay, that was, we didn't know who it was at the time. That has now been confirmed that that senior political appointee is Attorney General Merrick Garland. <laughs> it's, just, it's just corruption all the way down. Unbelievable. Yep. 
The whistleblower is a is a uh, trying to say, and he is detailing preferential treatment and politics improperly infecting decisions and protocols that would normally be followed by career law enforcement professionals in similar circumstances if the subject were not politically connected. The lawyer representing the unknown whistleblower is uh, says his client is a career IRS criminal supervisor special agent who has been overseeing the, quote, sensitive investigation of a high-profile controversial subject, end quote, since 2020. The whistleblower has already shared information with the Treasury Department's Inspector General for Tax Administration and the Department of Justice's Inspector General. So, yeah, they're all going to... This is all about Hunter Biden and the um, relationship between Chinese companies and Joe Biden and all the rest and all that stuff. Oh, I forgot, guys. I'm sorry. I should have had this after the last story. I wanted to say, remember the Hunter Biden laptop. Not only Mike Morrell, he didn't do, he didn't fucking do any of his own research. That's a lie. <clears throat> Mark Polymeropoulos, he's a liar too. None of them, they all said it was Russian disinformation. And Joe Biden said that too. Remember, here's a clip at the debate between Biden and Trump about that laptop. 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. Nope. They have said that this is has all the car- four five former heads of the CIA, both parties say what uh, that was it. All liars. They're all liars. Oh, wait, here's more. Oh, it accidentally stopped. Here's more. We have four days left, and all of a sudden, there's a laptop. There's overwhelming evidence that from the intelligence community that the Russians are engaged. I still think that the stories from the fall about your son Hunter were Russian disinformation. Walks off. Okay, so you get the idea. So Joe Biden, of course, obviously, here's what happened. Obviously, the story comes out. Joe Biden freaks out. He tells his campaign manager, Anthony Blinken, who's now United States Secretary of State, fucking, we need to get ahead of this. Let's say it's Russian propaganda, Russian disinformation. Anthony Blinken then calls his buddy, Mike Morrell, who he knows wants to be CIA director in the Biden administration, and says, Mike, I need you to assemble your fucking corrupt friends, all your buddies, all your agents, all your former CIA directors, and say this is Russian information. And all of them hated Trump, so all of them were happy to do it without even second-guessing it. That's exactly what happened. And Joe Biden is perfectly aware of it. It's all, guys, everything is corrupt. Everything. Okay, guys, I'm starting to run out of time already. Let's do um, a few quick ones. REI, the beloved outdoor retailer, is going to close their only Portland store. Guess what they're citing, you guys? You're not going to believe it. An increase in crime and theft. (laughs) (laughs) they said that they had their highest number of break-ins and thefts in two decades, despite providing extra security. They are the latest latest major retailer to close Portland stores and the highest profile among them to publicly blame theft. Nike closed one of their Portland stores and they said it was due to shoplifting. And then Walmart also recently closed their only two Portland stores for underperformance which means that they lost a lot of money because of shoplifting, but they just didn't come around and say it. An important story, you guys remember months ago when I talked about the Chinese police stations operating overseas to police 
Chinese expats. Well, they found it too. I told you guys about that months ago. And the media acted uh, fucking incredulous this week when the FBI held a press conference saying that they shut down a clandestine Chinese police station in Manhattan after the arrest of two alleged operatives earlier this week. Further, the media has been told that there are several more of these illegal organizations scattered around the United States. Of course, there's. I guarantee you there's one in San Francisco, probably in Los Angeles as well. Oh, here we go. There is another station at an undisclosed address in New York City, including the, the one they shut down was in Man Manhattan's Chinatown. And they say there's another one, yes, in Los Angeles. And the, the report was actually, the FBI was prompted by a group called the Safeguard Defenders. They're the one who came out with that report last year that I talked about. And they claim there are 100 clandestine Chinese police stations around the world. And they spy on former Chinese citizens. Because if any of them get too lippy over here, then the Chinese cop over here says, uh, hey, you don't want anything to happen to your family back home in Beijing, do you? You might want to shut your mouth. And that's exactly what they do. How about an old story here? I think a lot of you guys are too young to remember this story. The Menendez brothers. Anybody ring a bell from that one? Yeah, this was Lyle and Eric Menendez. This was really the first nationwide trial like that really hit the mainstream, right? Because it was on TV. It was on a televised criminal trial. And these were two affluent young men, Lyle and Eric Menendez. They were convicted in 1996 of murdering their mother, Marie Louise, and their father, Jose, a music executive. Now, their defense was that they had been sexually molested for years by their father. And they went into their <clears throat> Beverly Hills mansion. They took two shotguns, and they shot their mother and father while they sat on the counts more than a dozen rounds. The uh, cops said the bodies were just completely mutilated. So it was all said and done, right? That defense did not work. They were convicted. But now, Roy Rossello, a former member of, a member of the boy band Menudo, that was, a huge, that was like the first boy band. That was before even New Kids on the Block. They were huge in the early 80s. They were a global sensation. Well, Roy Russell is a former member, and now he's come forward with an allegation that he was sexually assaulted as a teenager by Jose Mendez. This was on a segment on the Today Show. And, um, yeah, he, he describes an encounter with uh, Menendez. He also recounts separate incidents of sexual abuse that he says were inflicted on him by one of Menudo's former managers. But of Mr. Menendez, Rossello says, quote, I know what he did to me in his house, end quote. Wow. So the two brothers have appealed to have new trials. So far, they have been denied. And the first prosecution, which began in 1993, so the murders happened in 1989. The first prosecution began in 1993. This is pre-OJ. OJ was like the second huge trial, but this was like the first one in America on TV. And the first prosecution, which began in 1993, ended with two hung juries and mistrials. They were retried together two years later, and that's where they were found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison, and that's where they are today. And Rossello says he visited the Menendez home in New Jersey when he was 14, and he says during that time, during that visit, he says Jose Menendez drugged and raped him. 
<sighs> wow. Now, Menendez was affiliated with Menudo because he had signed the group as an executive at RCA Records. Fascinating. We'll see what happens with that. Probably nothing, but you never know. Maybe they'll get let out of prison. That's an, uh, that's an oldie, old-timey. Okay, this one is funny. How about this, you guys? New York City Air... You believe this fuck? New York City Mayor Eric Adams is now slamming Biden for, quote, destroying, end quote, the Big Apple by sending illegal aliens there. Uh, you believe these guys? They only have 34,000 migrants. They're sheltering. Let me rephrase that. They are housing 34,000 migrants in 112 shelters. In the last 12 months, more than 56,000 migrants have passed through New York City. Well, that's nothing. Nothing compared to like Yuma, which is far smaller. Yep. So all of a sudden, Eric Adams, who was the big sanctuary city guy when he was running for mayor, all of a sudden, like usual, reality comes along and slaps you in the face. And here he is. Uh, here's the clip of him saying just no, that. We... And none of my folks came to Washington, D.C. to fight for the resources that's going to undermine... Okay, let me just stop it there. I know it's really faint, you guys, because apparently I'm the only one who's capable of putting together a microphone and a sound system. Uh, this story, too. Um, you know, a lot of you guys sent this to me as well. Let's not blow Gavin Newsom too much, because Gavin Newsom now, the news is he's going to call in the National Guard to crack down on fentanyl dealing in San Francisco after touring the Tenderloin District. Yeah, he announced a partnership between California State Police and National Guard to disrupt fentanyl trafficking. <clears throat> this is so stupid. You don't need to do this. You just need to arrest people and prosecute them and put them in jail. <laughs> you, a local police force could do this. Idiotic, dude. I mean, yeah, okay, I guess it's good that he's doing I guess. It only took, but you know the only reason he's doing it, right? You guys know. Don't make me say it. Yes, it is because he's running for president. It's the only reason he does anything. And he can't have, when he gets, uh, when he starts being screamed at for the San Francisco and the Tenderloin, the fentanyl, he's going to have, he has to have something to point to. You know? Uh, and more idiotic leaders. Boy, this new Chicago mayor, he's going to be a wealth of material. You guys all saw that the, uh, teen takeover of the Chicago loop that happened earlier this week. Yeah. Just mobs of teenagers, uh, destroying shit, getting in fights. Um, two, two kids were shot by the way. And Chicago's new mayor, 47 year old Brandon Johnson, uh, is, uh, he's like, now, you know what guys, it's not constructive to demonize youth. That's a direct quote, by the way, here's a, here's the full quote. Quote, it is not constructive to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunities in their own communities, end quote. <laughs> you know, and I saw a few dopes on Twitter. I'm not going to name any names, but I follow one and he follows me saying, oh, you're all just boomers. People fought when we were kids, too. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm, I don't remember hundreds of I don't remember a mob of hundreds of people attacking people, stealing, breaking in the stores, dancing on top of cars, smashing windshields, and yes, shooting each other. I don't remember that. Uh, so no, it's not the same thing. So here is Brandon Johnson. This, door, this guy is going to be just beautiful for the next five years. Uh, here he is uh, saying, hey guys, come on, this is just those uh, rambunctious children. Look, sure. demonizing children is wrong. They're not children. We have to keep them safe as well. Have you ever taught middle school? I have. 
Have you ever raised young people? Do you understand the risk that young people take just because they're young? No. Do you know that home plate is at the bottom of my stairs? I found it out when my son was sliding down those stairs trying to score. They're young. Sometimes they make silly decisions. They do. And so we have to make sure that we are investing to make sure that young people know that they are supported. <laughs> okay. Your, your, your child pretending to slide into home at home, yeah, that's just like uh, people shooting each other. That's the same thing. Brandon Johnson, God, you are so intelligent. And uh, I have to do this one because, yes, it's all over social media. Yes, it is true. Joe Biden's administration did put out a new rule about mortgages. And if you have good credit, if you've worked hard, you are going to pay more. And if you have shit credit because you're dumb, you are going to pay less. Starting in May, a new federal rule will upend the current structure of what they call the Loan Level Price Adjustment Matrix, LLPA. Homeowners with a good credit score could see their monthly mortgage payment rise by over $60 a month, while riskier borrowers, <laughs> deadbeats, will get more favorable mortgage terms because their fees were reduced. And this is, yes, you, bet, you guessed it, all about equity. Only 25% of home buyers with the Federal Housing Administration loans are people of color. Well, so get a better job. And by the way, owning a home is not all it's cracked up to be. But yeah, that's a fact. That is happening. It's not just being debated. It's happening. So get ready to pay more. I hope you're happy. Your family who voted for Joe Biden. I hope they're... Everybody who voted, they should be the, uh, they should be the person who has to pay more. Uh, okay, this one is going. This one is viral too. I have to play the clip of the guy who lost his shit on the airplane with a crying baby. I have to do it. Let's uh, play it now. Here we go. Passenger loses his mind over a baby. I don't give a fuck. You 
Okay. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. I'm Okay. You know, what a fucking jerk. Dude, we've all been on those flights. First of all, I read, I remember where it, where it was like a two, two and a half hour flight. The guy said he was asleep, first of all, so obviously it wasn't that bad. What do you, what do, you do? It's a baby crying. Just shut that baby up. Okay, how? Oh, and by the way, now you're screaming and fucking and all this stuff. That's not going to help. How do you, you can't. It's just, you got to just deal with it. That's part of the shitty part about traveling. It happens. And every once in a while, yeah, I've been on board those flights. It sucks. What do you, it's a baby, dude. You're, oh, and, and he compares himself to the baby. Oh, I'm screaming. So is that baby. Dude, you're a grown man. And by the way, the guy who's screaming and bitching, he's black, right? And I don't know if you caught it, but he's telling the flight attendants, and two of them are black as well. He's like, what would happen if that was a black baby? And I was like, nothing? I've been on planes with black babies crying. I've been on planes with white babies crying. Asian babies crying. Babies cry, dude. It sucks. You weren't on a flight. Your flight was like floor, from to Florida from like somewhere like mid-east coast. It wasn't even that long of a flight. It's like two and a half hour flight tops. Like just shut up and deal with it. What a jerk fucking guy all right quickly moving on guys i'm running out of time tennessee republicans want to see that manifesto from aubrey hale the transgender fucking child killer a nashville council member is believes now there will only be a heavily redacted release what is that yeah we still haven't seen it remember audrey hale the transgender murderer killed six people at the nashville school and uh, they think uh, they, yeah, they think this Nashville council member, Courtney Johnson, said, quote, what I was told is the manifesto was a blueprint on total destruction and it was so, so detailed at the level of what she had planned, end quote. Okay, so what? Oh, they went on to say, quote, that document in the wrong person's hands would be astronomically dangerous, end quote. Get out of here. Yeah, I want to see it. I want to see it. You don't tell me what to do. That's a public document. The shooter's dead. There's no legal reason. Give it to me immediately. Anybody who's attached to the FBI, law enforcement, feel free to send that to me, and I will read it in full. All right. Jamie Foxx is awake and alert, but he's still in the hospital in Georgia. I'm just mentioning this because I found it kind of weird. He's been in the hospital over a week. He is 55 years old. He was filming a movie with Cameron Diaz in Atlanta when he was taken to a hospital, and he's been there ever since, and we don't know what this was. I wonder if this was like suicide, like he tried to commit suicide or something. Maybe that's why it's so hush-hush, because what other reason would it be for him to be in a hospital this long? Suicide or overdose? Hmm. I'm putting my money on one of those two. But anyway, Jamie Foxx is incredibly talented, and I enjoy him, so I hope he feels better. Yes, gleefully, I have heard Bud Light's under-fire marketing vice president has taken a leave of absence <laughs> after the Dylan Mulvaney controversy and has been replaced by a Budweiser executive. God, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in that meeting. What, are you out of your mind? I can picture the Anheuser-Busch people saying, wait, wait, our marketing person did what to our blue-collar beer? That's funny. A uh, couple bad females here. 
A drag mom and former elementary school teacher has been sentenced to less than a year in prison prison after being convicted of felony child abuse crimes. 31-year-old Kelsey Meta Boren pleaded guilty to 11 counts of encouraging child sexual abuse last month. This was a teacher. Before her arrest, she posted several images of herself with an 11-year-old girl on her Instagram. I'm looking at a picture right now claiming to be her, quote, drag mom, end quote. They carried out a search warrant in her home. Back in August of 2022, she was arrested, and they found evidence she had been uploading, exchanging child porn on the Internet on multiple occasions. Wow. Yeah, very normal people. Very normal. These uh, drag show advocates for little kids. And then another one. A socialite mom, 45 years old, Eleanor Hunton Hopp, H-O-P-P-E, of Charlottesville, Virginia, was arrested in an FBI sting last month after allegedly planning to sexually abuse a minor girl in a hotel. Her ex-husband, Joel Hopp, is now a federal judge. But yeah, she thought she was talking to somebody. She was talking to uh, actually undercover agents. And where's the details here? Yet not only did she plan that, she's also being accused of sending the agent a 30-second video and three still images of a young minor girl being horrifically sexually abused by men. This was like a white lady, upper class, grew up amid wealth and prestige, as a member of a legal powerhouse family who helped found the city's biggest law firm, now known as Hunton, Andrews, and Couth. She had previously worked in child advocacy and support organizations. Holy shit. She's facing life in prison, dude. Wow. Um, this is, yeah, she had entered a fetish website where users discuss and trade images of child sex abuse and started an under email chat with another user who was an undercover FBI task force officer. Wow. Uh, you go read the whole thing for all the gory details. You guys remember the, uh, Charlottesville rally back in 2017? Well, the, Three people who carried flaming tiki torches at that rally at Charlottesville have been indicted on state's charges. This is six years later. They're doing at least three. And what is the charge here? Uh, Oh, they're being charged with one count each of burning an object with the intent to intimidate. What is that? So carrying it seven years, six years later, carrying a torch. I mean, they're all idiots, don't get me wrong, but they're just carrying a torch. Wild. Uh, Remember the story of the airman who leaked all the classified documents, went extensively into it? Well, he apparently was doing it more widely and for longer than was previously known. Yeah, they said it was to a much larger chat group, and they think some of them, yeah, were Russians. So... The newly discovered information posted on the larger chat group included details about Russian and Ukraine casualties, activities of Moscow's spy agencies, and updates on aid being provided to Ukraine. And this went on for a while. They never even caught up to him, man. Crazy. All right, I'm starting to run out here, man. Damn it. What else? Let's quickly do some... I want to uh, make sure I get all the... uh, 
audio podcast. I, I, I don't even have time to get into the Alejandro Mayorkas thing. But um, just quickly, Fox News and Bill Malusian, who's been all over the border, is reporting that dozens of Democrats in the House and Senate introduced legislation this week that could make it harder to hold illegal immigrants in custody if they qualify as a, quote, vulnerable person, end quote. What does that mean? Well, if you are LGBT, that would be a vulnerable person. If you don't speak English, that's a vulnerable person. If you guys want to go look this up, it's the Dignity for Detained Immigrants Act from Representatives Pramila Jayapal, that nut from Washington, and Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey. So just, just let them all out. Let them all out. Um, I did want to play this clip really quick because they, they hauled uh, Alejandro Mayorkas up in front of the House because his own Border Patrol chief testified that we do not have operational control of the southern border. I played that clip the other day. Let's listen to what he says. Not a single Democrat came to the hearing that we had in McAllen, Texas, and Chief Ortiz said that the border is not secure. Do you disagree with Chief Ortiz? Congressman, uh, let me uh, return to what you said. Accountability is brought in the court of law. Mr. Mayor, I delivered <laughs> accountability for 12 years. Mr. Mayor, Chris, do you disagree with the head Border Patrol agent when he said that our border is not secure? Congressman, I have testified to that issue. So you do disagree with him? Just, you disagree with your chief of Border Patrol? I respectfully do in that regard. You do. Okay, so finally, answer. Did they go to some kind of school to learn how to talk like this? I'm always curious about that. Uh, Representative Chip Roy of Texas, he was not happy because they are there was they were trying to pass an amendment to exempt unaccompanied infants who are under a year old from crossing the border illegally to seek asylum. Let's listen to Chip Roy. He apparently Your goes off here. System has eighty five thousand kids they can't find. What in the world? It's the New York Times. It's not Fox News. And we're sitting here talking about a fiction, a fiction of saying there's an infant rolling through somewhere outside of Eagle Pass right now, begging to claim asylum. The infant is not doing that. This is absurd. You know it's absurd. We have, led, we have language here put forward in good faith, trying to figure out how to stop what I see in this chart behind me where unaccompanied children are spiking through the roof, have been doing so since Democrats have been in charge of the administration. The only blip is when you had a Republican in charge. You had kids on top of train cars uh, getting abused by cartels. You got numbers spiking through the roof since President Biden has been in office. And all we want to simply do is say, we want to get them home to their families, we want to get them to a place where they can go to a port of entry so we can take care of them. And we're being treated by my colleagues on the other side of the aisle with where are the thousand that aren't being reunified? Well, go find the 85,000 that we don't even know where the hell they are under the Biden administration. All right. I like the passion, but uh, again, he's an outlier because most Republicans are dopes on this. All right. Uh, quickly, just some last quick headlines here uh do you guys know oh some of you QAnon guys and guys who previously were big trump people you know ali alexander is he's that like indian i don't know what his ethnicity is he's like a you know, some kind of ethnic guy he's a big like QAnon stop the steel guy anyway he was forced to apologize apparently he's been messaging young boys underage boys trying to get nude pictures and quote jack off material end quote so real 
Real nice people. I keep telling you guys, be wary of who you support in life. Support people who've accomplished stuff. Support people you know are good, hardworking, upstanding members of the community. Don't go out on a limb for these kooks that you don't know on social media. Uh, and speaking of that, Mike Lindell, that my pillow crackhead, former crackhead, sorry. He was a former crackhead. Go look it up. He has been ordered to pay $5 million to a Trump voter who determined that the data the MyPillow CEO used to push fraud theories was not from the 2020 election. Because Mike Lindell came out and said, hey, prove me wrong. He put it out there. He signed, this guy signed up, the Robert Zeidman, the Trump voter. He had signed up for the so-called Prove Mike Wrong Challenge to because Mike Lindell's like, no, my data's accurate. It shows the election was stolen. So this guy signed up, says your data's bullshit. It's not even from the 2020 election. Mike Lindell wouldn't pay up. So now arbitrators are saying, yeah, you got to fucking pay it up. So go do it. They might have a serial killer in Austin. They've pulled the eighth body in less than one year from Lady Bird Lake in the city. About that. Now, that doesn't mean they're all from the same person, but apparently there are uh, similarities between all the cases. So that is pretty wild. Do you guys remember that huge limo crash? One of America's deadliest crashes ever? That was back in October 6, 2018. A group of friends celebrating a 30th birthday hired one of those limousines. It was one of those big SUV limousines. Nauman Hussein owned a prestige limousine. It was a stretch Ford excursion. It was an unlicensed limo service. The limo brakes failed, killing the driver, passengers, and bystanders. It killed 20 people. Well, I bring that up because it is finally going to trial. I have no idea why it's finally going to trial and taking this long, but uh, go check that out. And who is this? Do you remember a Minnesota police officer named Kim Potter? She is the 50-year-old former Minnesota cop who mistook her taser for her gun and killed Dante Wright. She is set to be released from prison after serving 16 months. She will serve another eight months on probation. Um, This was the April 11th, 2020 death of Wright, who, of course, is African-American. She is white. She was a 26-year veteran. And she was convicted of first and second degree manslaughter and was supposed to serve a couple of years. They don't really say originally, but the minimum, uh, the guidelines on this case like that are seven years to 15 years. Yeah, so she's getting out way early. I don't think, I actually think she should serve every day of it. Now you can see, yes, I know Dante Wright was a criminal and blah, blah, blah. blah. You can't do that. If you're a cop and you've been entrusted with basically being able to handle your weapon, uh, you, you can't do that. That's ridiculous. And uh, Israel is announcing their first in-world chickpea meat. Complete complete joke. Go see my man Jake Ryan at JakeRyan960, jakesteaks.com. Get real food for Christ's sakes. Grass-fed, grass-finished beef. Same with bison. Jake's got the dope-ass honey going. Fresh from the flower, he's got the the moisture, he's got the tallow fucking face moisturizer, he's got it all. So go see Jake. Stop with the fake stuff. It's not, it's all bullshit. Uh, and then, uh, one more clip before I close out, because I'm almost out of time here, if this ever wants to open. Here is somebody, again, telling you what their pronouns are. I haven't played one of these in a while. Let's, uh, these are, these are a lot. I haven't, let's listen to this. Hi, I'm Cody. 
I primarily go by E, M, or Z's on pronouns, but I'm comfortable being referred to using any neo-pronouns that are not Z here. And a little bit about who I am. I am a white, transmasculine, femme, non-binary, disabled, neurodivergent, obsessive, compulsive, chronically ill, unitarian, universalist, raised Jewish, non-monogamous, demi-low-romantic, great demi-bisexual, survivor of acute and complex trauma, millennial, and cat parent in mental health. Okay, do you or do you not enjoy penis? That's the only thing I care about and what that will say what you are. You ever notice that when you really talk like this, really bad like that, that's almost always a sign of like a huge mental health crisis. It is. And people who think they're smarter than they actually are. And then finally, you guys, I have to go to the big finish, unfortunately. Here was the original title. Deputies. Homeless man caught masturbating in public to take photos of young girls at a local Walmart. Okay, that was the original headline, right? Deputies were called to the Walmart in Brevard County on North Wickham Road near Melbourne at noon, noon, after a loss prevention officer requested of a man trespassed from the store. The officer told deputies he'd been watching a man, later identified as 60-year-old David Knight, walk around the business since 10.30 a.m. that day, following young girls around the store and taking pictures of them with a cell phone. He then said he could be seen walking around a corner in the business and placing his hands down his pants and pleasuring himself. Once confronted by deputies, Knight admitted to spending hours taking pictures of young girls in the store and then using the photos to pleasure himself nearby. No word about finishing or not. I'm going to assume he did, but according to the sheriff's office, Knight even admitted to wearing a sex toy around his genitals while performing the acts. Deputies say Knight told them he had been engaging in that type of behavior for more than a year and had done the same thing in the same store the previous morning without being caught. Okay, he definitely finished, right? Definitely finished if he's going back for more. Well, here's the funny update. Remember, homeless man, right? It turns out this was a professor and a department head at Florida Tech. <laughs> Looking at his booking image, full professor. Yeah, dude. Um, he has been. Uh, he's he's not. He's been placed on administrative leave. He has quit his position at Florida Tech. No, he, this is. He was still in full teaching mode. Now that doesn't mean he's not homeless. He looks homeless. That's the thing. But a university spokesman weighed in, said, "Yeah, he uh, was put on leave. He quit. He's not allowed on campus, and he's been." instructed to have no contact with Florida Tech students. So a full professor at a major American university, Florida Tech, jacking it around the corner at the Walmart to his treasure trove of photos of young girls. Guys, that is the big finish. Holy crap. Uh, please go to Patreon, you guys. I'll ask one more time. Go to patreon.com. Type in BK Actual. Support the podcast. No government funding. No billionaires. No corporations. The one-man operation. And all I answer to is you, the people. And I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you support it. And follow me on Twitter, at Bravo Kilo Actual, and Instagram, at BK Actual. And uh, that's it, guys, from Big Bear. I'm going to get out here. I'm going to be here all week. If any of you guys uh, know any good spots to go, any trails, uh, anything like that, slide in those DMs plan on enjoying my time here it's absolutely stunning and gorgeous here so really looking forward to it guys that's all i got for you from big bear i'll see you next week